fresh and exciting. Somebody with a sock personality that'll sweep people right off their feet. Where is he? What is he up to? What other terrors can he unleash at will? Starring your genial host, renowned writer, art collector, and teller of strange tales. What fiendish power did he possess? Where did he come from? Who is this man? The Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Man Radio Network for a Wednesday. Talk radio the way our founders intended. America, just a reminder that the Unity President, Joe Biden, hates half of you with a passion. Day 1109. Mm hmm. Keep it the Eric in America. Say hello to EZ. What's up? Good afternoon. Putting the heat in, Heather. Hello. Dark, uh, uh, Double H is here. Dark History Hour 3. Our buddy John Jensen. Uh, the top of the final hour, your uh, remarks sprinkled in in their normal places. Trump notched out an 11-point lead in New Hampshire over Nikki Haley. A sweep of the first two GOP races. A much narrower victory, I think, than uh, some predicted. Um, but a victory nonetheless, I, you know, I said yesterday, maybe somewhere if she's only, if she closes the gap to five or 10 points, uh, she'll probably stay in. <clears throat> um, she's definitely going to stay in, uh, and I, you know, who knows if she can't carry her own state next, <clears throat> then she'll have to get out. Yeah. So, and I, I think those New Hampshire numbers are kind of wacky already when you look, when you start to break them down. Oh, what, with the Biden write-in stuff? With the Biden write-in stuff, the fact that uh, 70% of the Nikki Haley votes were by uh, unregistered, uh, non-registered Republicans. Yes. Uh, Or this guy. uh, Why did you vote for Nikki Haley? Uh, It's a vote against Trump. Uh, I think it would be better to have her against Biden in the uh, elections than it would be Trump and her. Do you consider yourself generally independent, Republican, or Democrat? Uh, Democrat. So when you undeclared, you voted for Nikki Haley. If it was Nikki Haley against Joe Biden in a general election, who are you voting for? Joe Biden. What? There you have it. Here's Nikki's. Now piece. you've all heard the chatter among the political class. They're falling all over themselves, saying this race is over. It's not over. <laughs> well, I. News for all of them. Woo! New Hampshire is first in the nation. It is not the last in the nation. Jeez. This race is far from over. There are dozens of states left to go. So, um, how long do you think uh, she sticks with it? South Carolina. If she loses South Carolina, yeah. she goes? If she gets beat up in South Carolina. She, she has to. If she can't win her own state, then. Um, I thought I had a Tim Scott cut in here, a Ducey cut in here. The, the, uh, 
The Biden administration uh, issued a statement afterwards. Had nothing to do with the, their totals or their their uh, their victory in New Hampshire. And remarkably, just as you were coming to us, his team in Wilmington, the campaign team, put out a statement. It has nothing to do with his successful write-in campaign in New Hampshire, uh, his first win this cycle. Instead, it's just about Trump. The, the campaign manager says, tonight's results confirm Donald Trump has all but locked up the GOP nomination and the election-denying anti-freedom <laughs> MAGA movement has completed its takeover of the Republican Party. <laughs> Uh, you know, I don't, uh, we're going to go right back to, this is about the time that we revert to, and it's already happening. This is on, um, MSNBC this morning. We revert back to the childish attacks on Trump. And, you know, I, I, I just think we have to keep reminding everyone this guy's not well. Um, and, and what's up with the orange face? You know, yeah. I mean, has is anybody it, yeah. has anybody checked to see if is he applying this cheap bronzer to his face in clumps at various times of the day and night? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he's not well, and he's, he has an orange face. He's putting bronzer on. We can't have a president with bronzer. Yep, that's our news media. Wow. Uh, Vivek, Vivek was there with. Uh, President Trump, uh, he had so I have a couple of Vivek clips that are pretty uh, skippy. Here's one. What we saw tonight is America first defeating America last. That's what we saw tonight. I don't look at uh, Nikki Haley and think there's, um, you know, there's somebody who really wants to take it to the deep state and, uh, and, and, you know, truly give power back to the people of this country. She's, that doesn't, I don't think it crosses her mind. That's, that's not even on the list. I still don't know much about what she does believe in because she flip flops about everything. True. She does believe that, uh, she, I guarantee you with her, the migrant train will continue. Illegals will keep pouring into this country. She'll come up with some little, you know, uh, we'll give them uh, a limit of 5000 a day or whatever. But they're still going to come. And, there's, and it will be an unbridled flow. Uh, I have every faith that she will not end the nightmare at the border. That it will only take Donald Trump. It definitely, uh, the only things I know about her, she one, she says she's all for uh, keeping the border open. Uh Two, she says the country's not racist, but then she spent her entire life being teased for being brown, so right. it must be everybody's racist. <laughs> yeah. And she wants to blow stuff up. Like, without a doubt, the lady wants to blow some things oh, up. Oh, yeah. She is a, she's a hawk, a serious. He worked for, I mean, what, defense contractor paid her $8 million. Uh, but that's, she's in the bag. Oh, yeah. I, I think she just honestly wants to push a couple buttons and th- see things blow up. Here's uh, Tim Scott. Look. New Hampshire, the president said a double-digit win in New Hampshire, and you delivered a double-digit win for President Trump. But I'm going to invite you to my home state starting tomorrow, where this election is over. It is time for the Republican Party to coalesce around our nominee and the next president of the United States, Donald Trump. What's the, I mean, obviously there's a benefit by having just one, you know, candidate. I mean, we've already picked that out. 
But what is Nikki Haley's motivation? Just to hope that there's a they they're successful in keeping him from running, or uh, you know, because clearly, you, if we run this whole thing to the to the to the convention, the uh, Donald Trump is clearly the clear GOP candidate. I've said before there was going to be at least one candidate. I thought DeSantis would hold off on two. That is a uh, that they're looking at the legal cases going. There's a chance that if I he goes away, I'm the only one still standing around. So everybody has to vote for me at that point. Yeah, thirty five percent of New Hampshire Republicans say they won't vote for Trump. Uh, he garnered fifty four point five percent of the New Hampshire vote. Primary is kind of unique. It's unaffiliated voters can register on the day, allowing voters that identify as independent or Democrat to vote in the GOP primary. It's a little weird. Uh, Trump called it. But a lot of publications are, uh, you know, how would you feel if Trump was the nomination? Now it turns out that only 53% of Republicans in, in, in uh, New Hampshire said they would be satisfied by that. Uh, according to the voter analysis, 35% of Republicans said they would not vote for Donald Trump. A political article reported that 43% of Nikki Haley voters yesterday would vote for Joe Biden. <clears throat> that tells you a lot about Nikki Haley. Yeah, that they weren't Republicans voting for Nikki Haley yesterday. Huh? That they weren't Republicans voting for Nikki Haley. Right. Uh I don't know that New Hampshire is a good indicator of how the rest of the nation feels about it. Um, We won't know that until the day, right? That's disturbing. I mean, if you're a Republican, you vote for the candidate. I mean, if you're a Republican and you truly believe in the conservative policies and, and, uh, you know, ideologies, then you vote for the, that candidate. I mean, otherwise, you're voting for the opposite of, of, a, of a Republican, of, of who you are. Um, you think she drops out if she didn't win South Carolina? Yes, I do. South Carolina's her last hope of having any chance of keeping it close. Again, those numbers where it's 11 points are a little questionable because of the way the New Hampshire runs their primary. <laughs> Uh, when you have 70% of actual registered Republicans voted for Donald right. Trump, that pushes those numbers back to that 20, 30%, the 20, 30 points that I kind of said it was going to be. And if you have, uh, a, a, there's a bulk of Democrats and independents voting for Nikki just to, just to, you know, because it's not Trump, that could skew those numbers as well. Um, Governor Abbott told the Supreme Court they can stuff it. And, uh, <clears throat> He's uh, doubled down on the wire, the razor wire, the barriers, and he's issued this statement. Uh, The federal government has broken a compact between the United States, uh, between the United States and the states. The executive branch of the United States has a constitutional duty to enforce federal laws protecting states, including immigration laws on the books right now. President Biden has refused to enforce those laws and has even violated them. The result is that he has smashed records for illegal immigration into this country. Despite having been put on notice in a series of letters, one of which I delivered to him by hand, President Biden has ignored Texas's demands that he perform his constitutional duties. And it makes three points here. One, President Biden has violated his oath to faithfully execute immigration laws enacted by Congress. 
Instead of prosecuting immigrants for the federal crime of illegal entry, President Biden has sent his lawyers into federal courts to sue Texas for taking action to secure the border. President Biden has instructed his agencies to ignore federal statute that mandate the detention of illegal immigrants. The effect is so illegally, the effect is to legally allow them in mass parole into the United States. By wasting taxpayer dollars to tear open Texas's border security infrastructure, President Biden has enticed illegal immigration away from the 28 legal uh, entry points along the state's southern border. Uh, bridges where nobody drowns and into the dangerous waters of the Rio Grande. Under President Biden's lawless border po- uh, policies, more than six million illegal aliens have crossed into our southern border in three years. That is more than the population of 33 different states in this country. This illegal refusal to protect the states has inflicted unprecedented harm on the people all across the United States. Blah, blah, goes into the, you know, James Madison, Alexander Hamilton, they wrote the Constitution. States should not be left to the mercy of lawless, of a lawless president who does nothing to stop external threats like cartels smuggling millions of illegal immigrants across the border. This is why the framers included both Article 4, Section 4, which promises the federal government shall, shall protect each state against invasion. And Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, which acknowledges, quote, the state's sovereign interest in protecting their borders. <clears throat> is that the authority, uh, the failure of the Biden administration to fulfill those duties, uh, the ones I mentioned before, um, triggered Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, which reserves to this state the right of self-defense. For these reasons, I've already declared an invasion under Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3 to invoke Texas's constitutional authority to defend and protect itself. The authority is the supreme law of the land and supersedes any federal statutes to the contrary. The Texas National Guard, the Texas Department of Public Safety, and other Texas personnel are acting on that authority as well as state law to secure the Texas border. How long before we see maybe an armed standoff between federal agents and the Texas National Guard? Uh, I don't know if we might by this weekend. I mean, that's that's what I see coming. I mean, literally, it's in our Constitution of the United States that Texas, in the, due to, if the, at the failure of the executive to do so, they are compelled to. And it's the governor's, that's his duty to do that. I, 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 I'm, 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 I'm worried about that, but I, I think I, I wouldn't put it past this administration who so desperately wants to flood Further, this country with illegal aliens because of the chaos, because of of how it uh, uh, eats up um, uh, taxpayer dollars, uh, and and don't I don't put it past this administration to purposefully not allow at least a temporary work permit until they get their uh, hearing in uh, eight or nine years, so that they would. I mean, that would be the right thing to do if you're going to let them in, which I disagree with. On the top of it, if if you have to put up with allowing three a six point two million illegals into the country, you have you've injected them into the United States without the means to earn a living, without the means to feed themselves, to feed them their their families, without the means to uh, to um, house their own families, and they only will. You know, it's human nature. If your kid's hungry, yeah, you're going you're to go do something to, to get that money or the food to feed your kid. Yeah, step one is don't let them in. Step two is if you have to 100% you're going to make this happen, uh, then they should be taxed and allowed to work just like anybody else at this point.
He's just injected 6.2 million burdens on the American taxpayer. Well, when we're already struggling through homelessness across the country already, uh, you're like, hey, let's put 6.2 million more homeless people because they don't have the ability to purchase their own homes. And they won't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, black Chicagoans have had enough. Four of them have uh, gotten together to sue the city of Chicago to save a park at Amundsen Park, Amundsen Park. Uh, they and I don't blame them. I, I would if I, I would uh, <clears throat> join them uh, in a heartbeat. Uh, this one lady says, um, "How dare you about using that park?" All, all these people. I have supported every one of them, she says, about the mayor and his progressive crap. I was like, now, are you freaking kidding me? There was no way she was going to let them have this park. It's the crown jewel of that of their community. Um, and they're black Chicagoans who need that space. She says, look, this space has been responsible for keeping kids out of trouble. My five kids, for example, keeps them busy. They're playing football and basketball. There's a humanitarian crisis in the black community, but every time we have a need in our community, we're told that there are no funds. There is no money for us. Listen to this. Here's how Chicago welcomes them. Uh, Since August of 2022, Chicago has greeted nearly 35,000 new illegal arrivals with resources like Laundry service? Hey, the city does your laundry. Uh, Mental health screenings? And $15,000 in rental support per person. They want to turn this park into a giant illegal alien shelter. Man. Um... Last October, a day before the field house was set to become a, uh, an immigrant shelter, this, uh, this black resident there raced to a local courthouse along with three of her neighbors, plus the head of a local NAACP chapter for moral support. For the next two and a half hours, she drafted a lawsuit in a notebook, then ripped out the pages, handed them to the clerk. Her argument was that the field house was designed for recreational use within the community, um, not housing non-citizens. And they're, they intend to fight it. <clears throat> They'll lose, of course, because that's, you know, I have such little faith in our justice system, uh, you know, uh, in terms, especially when it comes to illegal aliens. Uh, Chip Roy, none too happy. And, uh, man, I'd hate to get Chip Roy like pissed at me like personally because he looks like he might are tired of getting a complete lack of representation from their representatives nobody in this country looks at Congress and says wow heck of a job guys and gals well done who would do that would we do that By the way, it does not matter who's sitting in the speaker's seat or who's got the majority. We keep doing the same stupid stuff. Now, my colleagues on the other side of the aisle have no problem with wide open borders endangering the people that I represent. None. 
And in my constituents are the ones left holding the bag. And the people in Texas are the ones left spending $12.5 billion. And my people are the ones who have six kids die from fentanyl poisoning in the school district that I represent. Yeah, it's not fun to smirk at that, is it, when we're talking about dead children from fentanyl poisoning because of wide open borders, because of the policies of my Democrat colleagues who refuse to do anything about it. Not a thing. Not a thing do my colleagues do about the wide open borders. And I will continue to speak to my colleagues because... This will be in order. The gentleman will address his comments to the chair. Well, Madam Speaker, I am addressing my comments to the chair. The he's House will be in order. He's right in front of the microphone, but he's looking to, to the left. And they're mad because he's looking at and them. He's not supposed to be talking to them. He is addressing the, the speaker, but he, he's just addressing the speaker while he looks yeah. to the left. It's really pissing him off. I'm addressing the chair on behalf of the people that I represent who are dying in Texas because of Democrats. Directly because of Democrat policies. And they can shake their heads all they want. They didn't like that. That's true. It's so, it, it is true. I, I, don't, I don't disagree with any of it. I, I do know that there are a few, maybe a handful, <clears throat> excuse me, of Democrats who, uh, for example, Mayor Adams, um, uh, Pritzker, uh, you got, uh, you know, they they realize because they've been hit hard. And and to my to that, my only response is that, that that Governor Abbott needs to keep shipping and pick some other blue cities and other blue states and bury them. Bury them. Make them feel the pain that the state of Texas is feeling. Yeah. Um, Well, uh, as if traveling wasn't already a pain in the ass, beware, many of America's airports are being turned into uh, illegal alien shelters. I'll fill you one of the latest. Hang on. It's a Shannon Burke show on the Florida Man Radio Network. Okay, man. This is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. Cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. you got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments, because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Show the world that you're tougher than tough. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Logan Airport is the latest. Uh, dozens and dozens of migrant families have set up camp in the uh, airport. Um, a lot of children are sleeping on cots on the floor there in the international terminal. Uh, scenes are similar to those at Chicago's O'Hare. Um, stank. Um, and and, and the, everyone agrees, even the states, even Democrats agree um, that this is not a state. Uh, this problem is not of the state's making. They. Uh, they've uh, Governor Healy there in Massachusetts asked Biden for an additional two hundred fifty million dollars to address the crisis. It's cost them nine hundred and fifteen million a year. That's what they think it'll cost next year. Um, 
80% more migrants have arrived by August than in the previous year altogether. Well, you know, that's what happens. Um, here's a, where's that number? So the CBO's official number is, uh, 6.2 million in three years, 2023 alone. The inflow includes 900,000 illegals that were released after they walked right up to the border at the gates, plus 1.1 million migrants who are illegals who were released after they crossed through gaps in the wall. Roughly uh, 1.1 million of all that total of two were let into the country October 1st. The paroled loophole that he has been using. The 2023 inflow also included 860,000, quote, gotaways who sneaked past Biden's uh, lightly guarded uh, border wall and 430,000 people that are they're here already. They just outstayed their visas in 2023. No one's reminding them it's time to go. Nope. Uh, I have a buddy that lived in, in for a short time uh, in Scotland. And he was there on a visa. And literally four days before his visa expired, he got a knock on his door. And it was the whatever officials in Scotland were there to say, hey, just make sure you know that four days, Mm -hmm. you're out of here. I sure hope you have your moving truck ready to go. (laughs) Right. Can we help you? We brought some boxes. (laughs) I mean, it's it's untenable. And and Kamala Harris's uh, solution to the whole thing uh, is, she says, it... it, uh, the solution includes putting resources at the border to do what we can to pr- to process people effectively and put in place new laws that actually allow for a meaningful meaningful pathway to citizenship. So more border patrol. You hear the border patrol? They don't take the word patrol off of there. They're not patrolling the border at all. They're 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 uh, uh, goodwill ambassadors to America. They're there to greet illegals, uh, dry them off, and they get out of the uh, the river and hand them some food and get them uh, uh, do their laundry for the love of pizza. The least we could do is do their laundry for them and then give them fifteen grand. Yeah, I, I laughed because we were what year and a half ago. Uh, we were going through the the border patrol was hated because that's back when they were uh, they whipping. Whipped, they whipped people. <gasps> oh my god. Now they're like, we got to get the border patrol there. We got to have them there. Less whipping and more fishing people out of the out of the river. It's you know the number one concern among voters in twenty twenty four in the general election is the illegal alien problem, and they there's only one candidate that I believe that you could elect in twenty twenty in the twenty twenty four that will put an end to it, and not only put an end to it will get a lot of these people that are here uh, out, deportations. And he'll, he'll, he'll end the nonstop marching of illegal aliens across our border uh, by putting a uh, stay-in-Mexico order back in place. Very simple. Um, <clears throat> man, you'd think that higher education uh, would start to turn the, the the corner a little the turn at least start the ship turning away from the woke stuff because it really has uh, proven to be incredibly unpopular. <laughs> um, University of Wisconsin 
Well, you're here. First year University of Wisconsin law student. You have to go to a mandatory ori- orientation. And you must denounce your whiteness and agree that colorblindness is a sinister racist tool. You're given preparatory literature beforehand to acquaint you with the session's uh, uh, imperatives. One section reminds white students that they benefit from racial oppression, regardless of their correctional efforts, and that, quote, this is a quote, there are no exceptional white people. Quote, you may have uh, attended many anti-racism workshops. You may not be shouting racist epithets or actively discriminating against people of color, but you still experience privilege based on your white skin color. Uh, The pamphlet is entitled Common Racist Attitudes and Behaviors that Indicate a Detour or Wrong Turn into White Guilt, Denial, or Defensiveness. Well, that's a long title. Yeah, it's it's a mouthful there. They list 28 potential hazards for well-meaning white people uh, on their redemptive journey. Uh, Colorblindness. We used to say, you know, you treat everybody the same. You don't look at their color. You treat them as a human. Well, that's out. It's gone. That's a tool of of white racial evasion. They say colorblindness negates the cultural values, norms, expectations, and life experiences of people of color. By saying we are not different, that you don't see the color, You're also saying that you don't see your own whiteness. And this denies the people of color's experience of racism and your experience of privilege. (laughs) These are lawyers that they're teaching this to. Yeah. Lawyers who are supposed to, you know, take clients no matter uh, their character or their skin color or things like that. And you're teaching them to go completely against the fact that law is supposed to be blind and just... Teaching them that they're, yeah, you, anybody, if you get a person that's a white person, instantly condemn them. Right. Um, another section takes aim at white people that, that want to exercise their, you know, inborn racism through the embrace of some maybe new age practices like Native American sweat lodges. Sounds fairly benign, but that trend is genocidal. Mm-hmm. Rather than escape one's white racism by finding a spiritual path, whites instead collude in one way, in one or more way, with genocidal attacks on native cultures. Genocidal attacks? Are we? Is there? Are we doing some genocide? Oh, I, you didn't hear about well, after uh, Rogers did that ayahuasca retreat? Yeah. He then killed an entire tribe afterwards. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is just sad. Student bodies, um, uh, uh, Rick. Uh, Eisenberg, the guy with Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, he said the student body has been subject to nonsense that ignores the rule of law and true equality in favor of racialized way of seeing the world. Ugh. Colorblindness is bad. And those are lawyers. That's their job is to be colorblind. So at some point, this makes its way into law and justice. Your Honor, that's a white man here, obviously had privilege his entire life, and it should be given, thrown the book at. I think that will be a closing argument at some point. There'll be a lawyer that will go through and be like, honestly, I know he's got a solid alibi. Uh, I know there were 30 people that saw him at this place, but he's white. (laughs) I mean, really? 
Or it'll be, Your Honor, I know that uh, Jamal Jackson, uh, in fact, murdered uh, a woman uh, brutally after he uh, attacked her sexually. But his lived experience as a uh, as an oppressed one uh, should be used as a mitigating factor in his sentencing. <laughs> Uh, UC California wanted to hire a bunch of illegals to work on their campus. Uh, you know, you would, you would, you you um, expect that of a place like UC, anywhere in the UC system. But then the Biden administration had to like reach out to them and t- quietly remind them that you can't do that. They're not supposed to work over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's I illegal. Mean, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 that part I don't get. How do you allow 6.2 people, 6.2 million? It's got to be more than that. That's probably a shaved down number. I heard 8.4 today. Uh, 6.2 million people let them into the country and they're on their own. Well, by the way, you can't work while you're here. No, 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 no. That's illegal. Have you tried going door to door asking for money? (laughs) Or how about robbing, uh, you know, a bike rack of all the bikes there and pawning them? Ridiculous. Um, Johnny Marr, the guitar player of the Smiths, has joined the Rolling Stones, Guns N' Roses, Rihanna, uh, and the estates of Tom Petty and Leonard Cohen by uh, telling Trump he can't play their music at his rallies anymore. Do you know, remember the time uh, it was Neil Young who filed a lawsuit to get Trump to stop using his music? Trump stopped, uh, I don't know if Trump stopped it or not, but he he quietly, he made a big to-do about it. But two months later, he very quietly dropped the lawsuit. Yeah, because he was reminded that he no longer had a hold of his catalog and they, the company could do whatever they wanted with it. <laughs> well, apparently Trump's campaign has played the, uh, the Smiths' 1984 song, Please, Please, Let Me Get What I Want, at some rallies. Uh, that was news to Johnny Marr, who responded in a tweet with his former band's hit being played he said ah right okay i never in a million years thought this could come to pass consider this s shut down right now it's unclear whether i mean do they have to sue they have to send a cease and desist but again that's if they still own their own rights to their own music that's true so many people some of these guys don't the smiths i don't know i don't know um, I don't know why you, I mean, people don't hear the music played at a rally and automatically assume the artist is backing that candidate. No, there was at no point where I heard them play memories from the Broadway uh, musical Cats. And I was like, you know, what? I think Cats is a MAGA supporter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you ought to be uh, honored. I mean, most of the time, I'm like, that's just background music. Uh, it's played it everywhere. I like the village people's dance on it. Was look, we made our music for everybody. Yeah, they don't care. They made money off everybody. Yeah, we. You know, I don't know. Does Trump have to pay to use that music at it? He's got uh, twenty thousand people in there. I'm sure he has he's got to pay some BMI yeah. ASCAP fees or something like that, based on the occupancy. I would imagine. Yeah, I would assume he's following those same rules, and that's uh, uh, once he cr- crosses the occupancy uh, limits for it, he's got to pay for those rights. Just like anybody else does. Trump can't use my music. (laughs) Uh, 
the Alaska Airlines CEO is pissed. I don't blame him. Thank God that door popped off and no one was injured and it raised an alarm because apparently a lot of Alaska Airlines planes had uh, loose bolts. Many of the companies, 737 MAX 9s, had loose bolts. They did an in-house inspection of the, that model. Um, he said, I'm angry. I'm, I'm, I'm more than frustrated and disappointed. I'm angry. This happened to Alaska Airlines. It happened to our guests, and it happened to our people. And my demand on Boeing is, what are they going to do to improve their quality programs? Boeing is better than this. Yeah, I'm more worried about all the other places that haven't looked at theirs yet, though. Is it... Is it, were they just the Alaska Airlines one, or should every one of the oh, people that have Boeing, these Boeing 739s up there that... FAA grounded them all yeah. until until they uh, had uh, passed a safety inspection. They announced uh, an audit of the plane's production line and suppliers to evaluate their compliance with the uh, quality protocols. The FAA administrator, <clears throat> Mike Whitaker, uh, said the agency, quote, had boots on the ground at, at Boeing's 737 MAX factory, adding that the staffers will remain there until they're convinced that the quality control system is up to snuff. We got a lot of inspectors on the ground. They're visually inspecting the aircraft as it comes through. You can't just look, right? You put a torque wrench on that bolt and see if it's torqued properly. Yeah, there should be a guy just at the end of the assembly line. Like, yeah, that's tight enough. It's good, good enough, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, until we're comfortable that the quality assurance system is working properly, we're going to have the boots on the ground, he said. It's been difficult to predict. We've got all sort of, we've got, we, so we've sort of stopped trying, but as soon as we get it all sorted out, it'll be up again. Boeing must now, uh, it will improve, must know that it'll improve its quality control to prevent such incidents, blah, 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 blah. Um, he just bought those, those planes. They're brand new. I'll tell you what. I saw another, I don't know where it was from, I saw a video of a plane taking off and, this, and its uh, wheel fell off like it would, it was a, a thousand feet off the ground. You see it drop and bounce on the, on the runway. Yeah, that's why I'm, I'm all for maybe just like uh, once a year, uh, all flights are grounded and we just go by and just like ever, all big companies do like an inventory a couple couple quarters a year. And just yeah, you can't shut there, down air travel for tighten, a day. Tighten everything down. Everybody knows ahead of time. The planes are down. We're going to tighten some bolts today. <laughs> Uh, speaking of airplanes, a Russian Illusion 1176 military transport plane has gone down near the Ukrainian border. Um, it was carrying, the Russian defense ministry said, is carrying 65 Ukrainian prisoners of war to be exchanged for Russian captives. 74 people in all with the crew on board. Uh a lawmaker in Russia's parliament, retired general, said during a, a session that the plane had, had been shot down by three missiles. He did not say what the source of information was. Uh, people are speculating that Ukraine uh, believed that this plane was bringing Russian troops somewhere, and they may have shot it down. Whew. That's uh, one hanky war. Imagine you think you're going home and your your own people shoot you down. Yeah. Or the people on the ground that thought they just shot down a Russian troop transport and uh, just, killed, Celebrating. just killed 54 POWs. Oh, my God. 
Uh, Jeff DeWitt quits the Arizona GOP chair position after he admitted he bribed or attempted to bribe Carrie Lake to not run in the for Senate. <laughs> I'm in the wrong job. Where can some people start offering me job bribes not to do things? I th- yeah, th- yeah, you just go, uh, uh, I'm going to run for office. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Unless someone comes out with 100 grand. <laughs> uh, we finally found the secret to Jason, Keller, uh, Jason Kelsey's amazing uh, behavior on Sunday for the Chiefs-Bills game. And it is mainly... 40 Miller Lights. 40. He, he figures he drank 40 Miller Lights. That's a... I mean, he was there all day, given. Yeah, but I'm impressed he leaped out of that window and didn't fall face first into the ground yeah. out of that window. Well, he's what? I don't know, 300 pounds? He's, Still, I mean, 40 uh, Miller Lights, you're... Uh, and a couple a of day. bowling ball <laughs> shots he did with the... With the uh, uh, this thing, I guess... You know, he loved the Bills Mafia. He thought the the energy was electric with the Bills, and they embraced him, even though his brother was, you know, more than likely going to whip their ass. And um, He's retired. He doesn't care anymore. Yeah, I guess not. And even t- uh, uh, Taylor thought it was uh, awfully sweet of him to snap up that eight-year-old girl. I thought the eight-year-old girl's dad. And here comes a, a, a just a, a, you know, a monster of a man shirt. He didn't, he didn't know where his shirt was. He lost it earlier in the day. Uh, and he, uh, he's, you want to see Taylor Swift and picture up? I, I mean, you trust t- uh, Jason Kelsey? It's a Bills fan. He probably said, sign my child. <laughs> I got a Sharpie here. Put it on her forehead. Uh he admitted that he originally wanted to take his uh, shirt off even earlier at a tailgate party. He said, "Because, but because we got pushed back on the tailgate front, I didn't get to take my shirt off there. And when I got to the box, I noticed that I could jump out of that box. And if I'm outside, then I'm part of the Bills pageantry. There's something about that day that caught up in the magic of the Bills mafia. It's electric, the energy, the shenanigans. I was like, I got to have my shirt off. <laughs> <sighs> He said, that's, that's how my mind works after 40 Miller Lights. <laughs> Man, that is, what a 40 in a day. That's a, is that even possible? That's a lot of peeing, I would have to imagine, right? Yeah. I mean, you're just you're at a, at a, at a, in a bathroom every... Uh, you know, 20 minutes or so. Uh, KJP is asked by, by I think it's, or no, it's a reporter on Tuesday. Uh, why, if Joe Biden's such a pro-union guy, why haven't, why has he got uh, the United Auto Workers uh, support yet? Because he's never been An a pro-union guy. That's Union Joe. Yeah, he's also the guy that was at the union things telling people he could do push up more push ups than that. That's true. Going back to the earlier question on the UAW, I know you can't talk about the campaign, but you know the president has called himself the most pro union president. Yeah. We haven't seen an endorsement yet. Yeah. Could you just talk a bit about what the president's message is going to be and your yeah. views on whether or not he's going to clinch that endorsement? So, soon? and not just the president has called himself the the most pro union president. Other unions have called him the most pro union president. So, I just want to make that clear. I cannot speak to endorsements from here. That is something that the campaign. I would have to speak to. Is it? That's not really, I mean, talking about whether the sitting president has the endorsement of a, of a large union. 
that's not a that's not campaigning. She wouldn't be campaigning from the podium. No, to be answering a question. Um, when we return, remember, I don't know how long ago it was. It wasn't that long ago. Uh, but Oregon, the lawmakers of Oregon, were celebrating the their um, pioneering decriminalization law about drugs. Oh, this is going to revolutionize it, and uh, uh, small amounts are fine. It was Measure One Ten. It passed with fifty eight percent support, so not a not a not a landslide support uh, in twenty twenty, but. They're backpedaling on that deal now like a clown on a unicycle. I wonder why. Yeah, we'll do it next. It's the Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Man Radio Network. WFYY HD3 Windermere. WXUS HD3. W266DY Tonellan. WZLB Valparaiso. Florida Man Radio. Oregon's got a rampant public drug use problem. Downtown Portland <clears throat> is a nightmare. They have unveiled now, Democratic lawmakers up there, a new bill that would absolutely undo all the bad stuff in the first of the nation drug decriminalization law. <clears throat> I think you, you could say that the public has soured on the on the bill, on the law. Uh, you know, it took, what, four years? It would recriminalize the possession of small amounts of drugs at uh, as low-level re, uh, misdemeanors so cops could confiscate them and crack down on their use on the sidewalks and parks. Um, it'll be easier to prosecute dealers, um, give people access to drug treatment centers and obtain to obtain and keep housing without facing discrimination for using that medication. They say it's a compromise, but the best policy they can come up with right now to make sure they're continuing to uh, keep communities safe. The yeah. voters passed this thing. But it almost like uh, if you just say, no, we're not going to do anything when it comes to drugs, then you lose all that other stuff that, hey, to get in a rehab facility, a lot of times you actually have to be <laughs> charged with it for them to even give you an entrance into it. Right. Uh, so if you now have a facility that, that's like, hey, why do you want to be? You're not a you don't have a drug offender. You've never been arrested for it. Well, the whole there's a whole softy lefty, you know, uh, it, it, they wanted to start treating addiction as a public health matter and drug use as a public health matter. And now and not a crime. Now they contend with the, the largest spikes in overdose deaths in the country and serious pressure. From the communities. They say it's too soon to determine whether the law has contributed to the state's deadly overdose surge. Yeah. That was really too soon. Don't really know. Um, supporters of the measure, measure say the decades long approach of arresting people for possessing and using drugs didn't work. That's why that was the whole spiel in 2020. Yeah, but you have to find the the thin line between arresting people for small <coughs> possession and just letting it all go rampant. Right, because I think they say uh, it uh, didn't work. Arresting people for possession and using drugs didn't alleviate the problem because there's still 
you know, people being arrested for using drugs. It didn't turn them away, but turning, uh, taking away the uh, the ability to arrest uh, for drug use, public drug use, has made it explode. So you thought it was bad here, way down here, where you had a, a you know, con- you know, about concurrent year to year. Uh, you arrested people. You prosecuted. It was the here, but now that you decided not to do it, it's it's sky high. It's uh, you know, it's through the roof now. Maybe you'd like to go back down to where it was just a manageable problem. The uh, the bill is set to be introduced uh, February, but you know they did adjourn over the summer. Uh, the legislature did, but concern over the drug crisis there led to Democrats launching a committee between sessions. And since September, they've had multiple hearings. They've heard testimony, law enforcement, substance abuse experts, blah, blah, blah. And the old measure 110 directed the cannabis tax revenue toward the drug addiction treatment while decriminalizing personal use amounts of illicit drugs. Under a gram of heroin, for example, you only get a ticket and a fine for $100. Small amounts, you can get a citation dismissed by calling a 24-hour hotline to complete an addiction screening within 45 days. But those who don't do a screening are not penalized for failing to pay the fine. So there really was zero. There was zero, yeah. There was no, no penalty whatsoever. There was no consequence whatsoever. One of the, one, in the year after it took effect, only 1% of the people that have received a citation for possession sought help via the hotline. <laughs> the, Man, he was the one dude. You'd think with all the arrests and all the drugs and all that, that this hotline would be ringing off the hook, right? Its average uh, number of calls per month were 10. Opponents say they hadn't created an incentive. It hasn't created an incentive to seek treatment. A criticism of the new bill seeks to address. Well, I'll tell you what does uh, give you an incentive to seek treatment uh, with the option to seek treatment or go to jail and stay in jail. And what is personal use? Personal use for Jason Kelsey was 40 Miller Lights. Uh, now it will become a, 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 a misdemeanor crime again. <clears throat> And punishable by up to 13, uh, 30 days in jail and a $1,250 fine. It will not affect the legalization of cannabis or psychedelic mushrooms. So they got that going for them. Yeah. Yeah. Again, if you don't, if you have all these programs, but you don't have a way to put these people into the programs, people are not going to put themselves in a program. Voluntarily? Yeah. No. The guy that is is voluntarily shooting heroin up in his apartment is not going like, hey, someone give me a pamphlet and see if I can find the the places to get clean. Right. You're, it's true. Um, I've had addiction in my family, and uh, the auspices the, the under the, under the auspices of treatment. I mean, the only thing that got them clean was was jail. Well, I mean. You get a couple of these under your belt, and then you may have, uh, uh, you know, you're a repeat offender. You're carrying drugs all the time. That 30 days is eventually going to turn into 60. Maybe the judge gives you 108, you know, six months. Uh, and then at some point, if you keep coming back in front of the judge with all of these charges, there's a record, by the way, then they give you an option. Look, you either uh, go to a 
not a voluntary uh, chaise lounge, sit by the pool, uh, you know, addiction center. You got to go to a lock up. You can't have your cell phone, you know. Yeah. Smoke some cigarettes. Which I'm I'm not a uh, a fan of uh, pe- putting people in, in prison that's, for years and years because of drug possession. That's, that's what got my family member clean. Yeah, it's not. It and they're clean today. Uh, you put someone in prison uh, for possession or anything like that, uh, for using drugs, they, it doesn't usually get them clean. They continue. Uh, they'll find ways in prison to, to find a, a drug. They'll do all these things. It is better to get these people into some sort of facility and treatment centers for that. But thirty you have days to get them to do it. Thirty days is not enough time needed to address an addiction. No. But you know, after you have four of those arrests, well, maybe you know, maybe spending thirty days in jail every thirty days, maybe that's enough to do it. Or the threat of a year, or more a year out of not in county, but often uh, pound you in the in the ass uh, uh, jail. But, of course, there are plenty of advocacy groups that uh, they say, you don't need to make a criminal penalty. We need services. We need to make sure we're investing in the services. Criminalization is not an effective tool to get people into treatment. It does more harm than good. How, how can it do more harm than good? If you go to treatment because your drug use led to some criminal issues and you're, you're mandated to, I don't know, 30, 60, 90, whatever the, whatever the judge tells you, uh, and you get clean. Why, how is that bad? I mean, there are some things uh, when it comes to finding jobs and other stuff, uh, background checks, things like that, that could be detrimental for, for you down the line. What? Because you get clean? Well, no, because of the your charges that are against oh, you. Oh, yeah. yeah. So there needs to be a way to, uh, you oh, know, okay. you, if you've done... Uh, uh, you were arrested for this, and you went and did the mandatory treatment. Where it you came out clean. And then they take that off the record. It's gone. You don't have to worry about that being but on But if you get one more arrest, it goes back on, and it never comes yeah. off, you dirty drug addict. <laughs> um, I, You know, services. We need service. The, 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 no one volunteers to go get the services, right? I mean, 10 people called in a month out of God knows how many hundreds or thousands of arrests. Bill also will expand to uh, access to treatment, uh, medications that treat opioid addiction, uh, and allow doctors to prescribe it without prior approval or review from an insurance company, make it easier for pharmacists to refill or to refill the prescriptions in certain emergency situations. It'll also make it easier to prosecute people for selling drugs, some harsher penalties for doing it in the parks and near homeless shelters and substance of, uh, disorder treatment centers. That's a lazy drug dealer right there, isn't it? Stand outside the uh, the uh, uh, the methadone clinic. Hey, man, you want the real deal? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Methadone's for pussies. You want real drugs? <clears throat> well, we'll see. Maybe the, the, a, uh, one of these lefty cities has learned their lesson. Um, it's really hard for them to say that they're wrong, though, you know? But I think the proof's in the pudding. Look around. Yeah, well, these, uh, aren't, these aren't Republican... <clears throat> uh, Members of Congress and, no, and legislators. They're, they're, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe the you know San Francisco City Council might take a a, a lesson. This is good. I think um, Amazon will no longer just hand over your Ring camera footage to the pigs. I mean the cops. <laughs> uh, you know, I would if a police came to me and said, "We know you had a Ring camera. We we want to see if a vehicle went by here or is involved in a burglary." Hell yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. I'm gonna give you. If you needed to solve a crime, I'm. Uh, you've got it. Yeah. If you've come and asked me. Yeah, come and ask me. 
Otherwise, you see, you know, you see everything else that I have, my comings and going, who's coming, who's going. Not that anybody's really coming and going to my house. <laughs> you know, I would have, you know, proved that my uh, maid stole my testosterone. Um, they, but it used to be authorities just went, they had partnerships with police in the past. And it, uh, it, it worked like this, like Amazon would give a police department 500 ring cameras. And in turn, the police department would offer them to citizens in the, you know, to keep everyone safe and uh, blah, blah, blah. And it's for free. And they'll come out and put it in for you, install it. Um, uh, and there you go. And then obviously, whatever they needed it, they would just ask uh, ring people to Amazon to, to feed us the, the information from this address. They use it in a lot of investigations. The Electronic Frontier Foundation revealed that L.A. police asked for ring users for footage of protests against police brutality. They wanted to see who was out there protesting. Yeah, that's uh, illegal surveillance. That's a red flag. <laughs> uh, yeah, all they have to do is come in. I, get you, I bet you 99% of people that have one, if, if there was a crime in their neighborhood... And the police wanted to get access to your footage to help solve the crime in, in your neighborhood. They would say yes. Nah, man, ain't a snitch. Man, yeah. <laughs> I look like sound like what is a green LTD? Sound like my boy Rico, man. <clears throat> well, I thought about back when people on the weekends were using my headphones. You're gonna put one up in the studio? Yeah, I was gonna put them in, and 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 get, get them red-handed. <clears throat> and no, if I did. My plan was that my thing went off and I'm at home on a Saturday and I see, you know, the plumber show is using my headphones. I just get in my, on my motorcycle and ride up here and, and snatch them off his head. You have to do that. You get the ones that have the, uh, the voice. You can talk into them. He's like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> You're right. I could. Hey, thief. You're right. I could. That's right. You can talk right back to him. I've never used that feature. Oh, I have used it to talk to my wife through it once. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, the UC California system uh, released a statement indicating they have weighed the possible risks to their institution to undocumented students and their families <clears throat> by employing them. Um, they quietly had to be told to reconsider that decision to allow undocumented students to work jobs on campus. Because they don't have uh, they have a legal they don't have legal immigration status. It's a direct violation of federal law. It would have led as many four, as many as four thousand undocumented students there to work if there was you know work there. Um, they voted for it. The eight nineteen eighty six federal law prohibited people without legal status from working. Uh, UC Regent Jose Hernandez said, "I just want to do the right thing." He supports that measure. He said it's about making sure that all students have the same type of experience, experimental learning opportunities. Experiential. Is that a word? Experiential? Experiential. Experiential. Well, very tense topic. they're they're upset. They say that they're they've tried to weigh the possible risk to their institution, to undocumented students and their families, because a the institution would have broken the law by hiring them, 
And B, the student would have broken the law by working without legal authority and could be bounced. And it blows. First will be the work, and that'll that'll slowly happen, I think, because you know things will get so bad. We're putting nine hundred to a, like two million. Uh, I'm sorry, two point something million a year illegal aliens into this country, oh. and and it's not going to stop. Why wouldn't they? Because uh, all they overdo is tout their rising uh, uh, job numbers. Well, those are going to start flatlining and dropping because those rising job numbers. They were counting jobs that were returning after COVID. So they're going to start really yeah. just flattening, if not falling. So what's the best way to add uh, a million more jobs right right away? Yeah, log, you give everybody the right to work, and all of a sudden, one million jobs added out of nowhere. Yeah. But maybe you don't, well, I don't know. That would be too good. A fifth friend has come forward at the Kansas City Chief watch party that resulted in three men freezing to death in the backyard of their buddy's home, and he's got some new details. His name has not been released yet. He said he joined the group over there at the house uh, on the uh, 7th. He showed up there about 7 p.m., left around midnight. And he claims that when he left the home, Willis, the guy who lives there, and his three friends who died in the backyard, were all still awake. And they were all watching, uh, what were they watching? Jeopardy. Jeopardy. A bunch of nerds. What kind of football fans watch Jeopardy after the game? A bunch of drunk ones. Yeah, probably. He said uh, he's got an attorney. Says uh, His attorney says his client left. The four other men were up watching Jeopardy. Still alive in the early hours of Monday. Uh, the other guy's version of events contradicts Picerno's statement, which insists that Willis saw his four friends out the door at the end of the night. Then he went to sleep on his couch. Picerno said, also said several times that Willis, who allegedly slept on his couch for the next two days, I don't know, was unaware that his friends were frozen in the backyard. Only got messages on Facebook Messenger. He did look. No, I don't know. Who looks at their Facebook Messenger all the time? I don't know. What do you think? You think this at the end of the day, this is not, I mean, that it's, there's some kind of, you know, bad juju involved here or just bumbling drunken football fans? I, I feel as bumbling drunk, uh, bumbling drunk football fans, but the only thing that I could think that possibly maybe is an issue we'll find out when they run toxicology is maybe uh, this buddy's overdosed. And he just was like, oh, I'm not not in my house. He pushed him outside, threw him in the yard, and was like, oh, I don't know what happened. Uh, you know, because he is a supposed to be a respected HIV scientist and all this, and he didn't want to have, uh, you know, three buddies die of an overdose inside his house. Well, they're on your they're in your backyard is you know about the just as bad. I didn't say it's a smart idea from the guy. <laughs> right, but. right. It was just an idea. Man, they must be uh, just inebriated drunk, right? You'd have to be inebriated or passed out. Uh, dr- pass- can we agree that you'd have to be passed out to not know that you're, you know, to, to, to be co- to be comfortable? You're uncomfortable in the in the weather that, when it's that cold. Yeah, but the, you can be that drunk where you're stumbling around out there. You put your coat on. 
Uh, maybe uh, your little jacket was enough at the time, and then you fall face first into the snow, and you're that out of, out of it that you uh, don't wake up. I think there's something else. That, well, the cop did say it's 100% not being investigated as a homicide. Yet, even. Anyway. I mean, it's really hard if you look at their bodies and you don't see gunshot wounds or stab wounds or uh, you know blunt force trauma to their heads or anything like that to say, okay, well, uh, it definitely... He didn't beat these guys to death. He didn't stab them. He didn't shoot them. There was no fight, so they, you can't right. really hard to call it a homicide. They didn't have blunt force trauma yeah. to their head or anything. No signs, no defensive wounds, any of that nonsense. What I what I need to I'd like to know is where were they? Uh, were they sitting at a in a you know those cheap plastic chairs? Uh, were they under on the patio? Was it covered? Were they visible to the naked eye? Because you know that, they were there for two days. Yeah. Were they were they uh, face down and covered in snow? Right. Where you're like, oh, that's a just a new lump in the yard there. And and it don't uh, I don't know where if this guy's in a rural area or what, but. Wouldn't a neighbor maybe notice three dead guys in your backyard? Maybe not. Sounds like it was a little bit of a rural backyard. It sounds the way they describe the pictures it, I've seen it. It does look. Yeah, kinda... and they described that he. It's like the he had a big backyard where where people could walk through to the street on the other side, and that's where they were actually parked because they weren't parked in front of his house. So that's uh... like, I didn't see any cars because they had parked over way way down there. You think maybe they were leaving? They left the house and go, hey, let's just, uh, I'm getting tired. You guys want to sit down and take a break before we walk the rest of the yard? Well. Um, I mean, you, you've been to a bar or uh, a downtown or some of those like Miami or Vegas where you've seen the guys that have been out drinking all day. They're falling down, yeah. sitting on the ground like, oh, pick me up, bro. Right, 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 yeah. So, I mean, it's very possible. We have no idea how much they got into uh, yeah, they, they haven't mentioned that either. Yeah, how much did you drink? Forty Miller Lights? Was there liquor involved? Were you got anyone uh, getting high? Or you know, you'd think those would be questions that would yeah, they would ask? Trying to pull off the Jason Kelsey count, uh, special? <laughs> uh, I haven't heard any of that. Have you have you read a story yet that says that they were even drunk? Uh, no, not really. They've, they've really not released too much when it comes to it. I'm sure they're just kind of waiting for toxicology stuff. You're just assuming you got a bunch of guys together watching a game. Right. What time was that game over? Uh, that was the earlier game. So, you know, was that, that was the last, uh, yeah, because Green Bay was after that. The Green Bay. Yeah. So it was okay. the earlier, so six o'clock ish. Yeah. Over at eight, and if you, I think they were in in Kansas. They they were over where they there. So they're probably five o'clock their time, four o'clock their time. Yeah, that's why they're watching Jeopardy to try to straighten up a little bit. <laughs> you know, answer some questions. Who's that on the? Uh, you got Tony. Uh, well, he says he's got some other story there. Let me talk to Tony real quick. Tony, what's up? Thanks for holding. Hold on. Oh, Tony. Hey, man. Hey, what's happening? Hey, quick. Hey. Hey, can you hear me? Yes. Hey, hey, quick story about the uh, about freaking in the backyard. My brother back in twenty went to a Christmas party on December twenty eighth. He was a staff sergeant in the Marine Corps in Kinley Park, Illinois. 
and went to the party, walked home, fell, hit his head, his neighbor, who hosted the party, walked out to go to work and saw him under his truck, thought he was working on his truck, he was frozen dead, to dead. his face was frozen to the ground, drunk. Uh, good lord. Dead, dead in the door now. So, I guess my, I guess it, it, it's very possible that yeah. those guys, they probably didn't know, right. watching Jeopardy drinking beer and those guys were out by the fire and... It happens, and uh, my mom still ain't got no words. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Favorite. I hate that line. Who's that? Uh, it might be David, but that line says it's been on for an hour. So you oh, might not be I'm sure David's not on right now. <laughs> Yellow? Yeah. 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 Sorry, buddy. Call back, David. Uh, remarks await. And the LA Times pulled together a bunch of employees, journalists, all the same human resource Zoom webinar. Then they got the bad news. Hang on, it's the Shannon Burke Show. Uh-oh. There we go. On the Florida Man Radio Network. LA Times fires 115 journalists on a Zoom call. Uh, but according to uh, the LA Times Guild, many young journalists of color were disproportionately affected. Many black, Asian, American, and Latino staffers have lost their jobs. Um, uh, this included journalists and editors <clears throat> working on... Uh, Digitally, you know, the uh, digitally focused stuff for younger audiences. They had the paper had a new meme team. Yeah, it worked on a TikTok content. Oh yeah, yeah. did they fire the meme team? They fired the meme team. Prominent culture writers, uh, those leading its national political coverage, among the journalists laid off on Wednesday were the paper's Pulitzer Prize winning DC bureau chief Kimbrielle Kelly and its deputy DC bureau chief Nick Bauman. Among the journalists laid off, sadly, was one of the paper's only indigenous editors. Mm. Mm. Indigenous. You think they'll what, bring the, it back for the <clears throat> new version of the meme team? Uh, probably not. I wonder if the, if the indigenous editor only edited indigenous content. He had to. Or they had to. <laughs> Many of those working on the paper's newly launched Delos section, designed by and for Latinos, who make up about half of LA's population. The uh, they complain that you know voluntary buyouts would have been uh, incentivized more senior staff members, uh, who by the way are disproportionately white, to step up and take the place of younger staff members uh, who are disproportionately disproportionately people of color and more likely to get laid off. <clears throat> but they said, like that, the buyout plan just wasn't financially feasible. Uh, the latest round of uh, layoffs, before, uh, for, uh, back in June, they laid off 70 people from the newsroom. This was 20-something percentage of their staff. They laid off 13% of the newsroom. The owner, Sung Xiong, a biotech billionaire dude, said, look, I'm losing 30 to $40 million a year. I know that... Star Trek guy going, wait, fired everybody. He's a billionaire. Well, he's losing thirty or forty million dollars a year. It's not that's 
it's not his responsibility to employ people to his own ruin. Yeah, and overstuffed. I mean, when you're running, uh, and I bet you those guys on the meme team were making $70,000 a year. Oh, yeah. If not uh, not $100,000 a year. Uh, your one indigenous editor, he was probably pulling 150 because yeah. he could. Uh, oh, you know, he was indigenous. He probably got his own parking space, too. You think it said in uh, L.A. Times, one indigenous editor, Pat yeah, Spot? <laughs> yeah, indigenous editor. Uh, so Soon Shong said that, <clears throat> here's the troubling part. He says that U.S. lawmakers should be doing more to support the struggling media industry. Pointing out that in Australia and Canada, they force companies like Google and Facebook to pay for news content shared on their platforms. He said, I'd like to put the question to lawmakers, what can they do to help preserve a free and robust press? Well, let me tell you, once lawmakers get involved in it, it's, it'll be less free and less robust than it is today. Yeah, or actually try to pretend like you're a free robust over there at the L.A. Times. All right. Uh, um, he said of the past five years since he bought it, he had invested hundreds of millions of dollars, approaching a billion uh, to sustain it. He said, we're not in turmoil. We have a plan. You know, learn to code. And what they told uh, the coal mine, the coal mine workers mm-hmm. when they lost their job, learn to code. Yeah, your, your boss is a tech CEO. He should have other jobs for you if you just learn to code. Right. <laughs> Instead of dancing on TikTok with the news. Uh, speaking of indigenous people, they're messing up the whole uh, uh, windmill business. In Arizona, uh, there there is a a company called Pattern Energy. They got they got approved to transmit electricity generated by its Sunzia Wind Farm, which is which is in central New Mexico, through the San Pedro Valley east of Tucson and north of Interstate Ten. Uh, however, the lawsuit again, trying to stop him said that. That route, uh, that valley is one of the most intact, prehistoric, and historical landscapes in southern Arizona. And it will be irreparably harmed if construction proceeds. So they've, they've got a, uh, they can't go through this preserve or this, uh, is it an indigenous, indigenous? Uh, That's what they say, yeah. yeah. That is, you know, it's, uh, what do they call it? Uh, sacred ground. Yes, yeah, sacred ground, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the, the Tohono O'odham Nation and the San Carlos Apache Tribe uh, are working along with the Center for Biological Diversity and Archaeology Southwest. The case for protecting the land is clear. It calls for San Pedro's Arizona, Arizona's last free-flowing river, and the uh, and the valley is the embodiment of the unique and timely story of social and ecological sustainability across more than twelve thousand years of culture and environmental change. You want some AC or what? I mean, you. Want these? Uh, you don't want the coal plants. You don't want all these other plants. You want the the reusable energy from the wind farms and the uh, uh, all the solar farms and things like that. Well, guess what? Those have to be put out in the middle of nowhere. You can't put them next to cities, right? So you have to run the lines for them for over long distances to get that power. And if you're saying, "Oh, well, now, uh, well, you can't." There's all this pristine land in between that we can't run the lines to. So you just have giant wind farms out there that aren't doing anything. They've been negotiated for years on this thing, uh, and they have just got started in September. 
Um, they got approval approval from the Bureau of Land Management that you know oversees that that type of stuff. The route in New Mexico was modified after the Defense Department raised concerns about the effects of high voltage lines on radar systems and military training operations. They halted briefly in November to please some tribes uh, to review environmental approvals for the San Pedro Valley. And the Tohono O'odham chairman, Verlon M. Jose, characterized as a punch to his indigenous gut. Mm. Well, they're generating, they say, enough power for three million people. Now it can't, they can't get it there. These are things I think you should have worked out. So you, you found the one patch that you feel comfortable to put the giant wind turbines on that has enough wind that it can actually spin those blades and you can actually get power out of them and then didn't assume to where are we going to run the line so we actually can get this power out of here. <clears throat> and maybe we ought to talk to those folks. Or anybody. <laughs> Make sure they're okay with it. It's a, it's a another... Um, liberal it's the dichotomy over again. Right. Well, I mean, this is liberals love when when power. They love it. They adore it, and they also want to protect all the indigenous peoples and all the pristine lands. But in this case, they can't do it. No, it's. I mean, the Keystone Pipeline. Every metric and uh, study found that it's safer. It's more better for the environment to be sent along the pipeline that way. Once construction was done, it was the best thing that they possibly do. And they said, "Now nah, we'd rather have trains and uh, all the other places take it instead." Right. So, so it could fall off a, a derailment and uh, explode, or you know, roll into a river. Well, another liberal dilemma. Let's get to some remarks. Shall we? From the Florida Man Radio app, powered by Morris Family Farms and Morganic Meats. Your uh, key to archives, podcasts, and to communicating with us with the uh, talkback feature. Hit the microphone. Here we go. I just thought of a great Nikki Haley campaign ad. Nikki Haley feels your pain. Nikki Haley wants to do the right thing for you. This November, vote Nikki Haley 2024. She'll take that load. Alright. Oh boy. Isn't Nikki Haley part of the political class that she's referring to? Yes. Of course she is. She was governor, and then she was a U.N. ambassador, and then she went to work for a defense contractor. I mean, Man, how fake is that enthusiasm? Like, she doesn't even say anything exciting. And then they're like, yeah! He's like, there's more states to go. Ah! So uncharismatic and fake. Ugh. She's not real, you know. I don't think she's a great public speaker. She's not engaging, you know. She's kind of cold. Not really. Biden's immigration policy is absolutely working. Let everybody in here from around the world, we don't care who they are, bring them in, bring them in, bring them in. That way when Trump becomes president and he starts deporting everybody, all the liberals could cry out saying he's separating families, these are just hardworking Pedros looking for the American dream, he's a racist, blah, blah, blah. And you get the picture. Yeah, that'll be it. 
My fellow brethren and sisters of this great nation we support and have fought and died for over 300 years. That's three centuries ago. We can understand one thing. We died to have independence around the globe. Our Independence Day decorates this. Also, the idea that Texas shall have to worry about protecting their borders. I'm waiting for Governor Abbott to initiate a volunteer status. I will. Sam's going to go fight for uh, Texas. He's ready to go. Volunteer status. Hey, guys, you just, uh, Shannon, you just ripped off a list of uh, bands and artists that don't want Trump playing their music anymore. A couple of those I recognize as selling their uh, their music uh, bank or whatever they call that. Um, they don't own the rights to it anymore. They ain't got no say. Just saying. Talk about entitlement. Has the, have the Stones sold their catalog? I thought they sold a good chunk of it. Wow. Hey, guys. Kelsey was the man, King Kong, a god after drinking 40 Coors Light. Can you imagine the different story if you would have drank 40 Bud Light? Be-do-be-do. I thought it was Miller Light he was drinking. I think it was Miller Lights. He said it was Miller Lights. Yeah. I think I saw him holding a Bud Light when he jumped out of the, out of the window, but he may have... He didn't know what he was He just saw light and beer, and he was just going down on it. I had 40 cans of something yeah. cold and refreshing. Didn't they get rid of the cops in Oregon? So how's that going to help? They didn't. They're not going to be able to enforce any of that uh, recriminalization of drugs if nobody's around to arrest anybody. Be do be do. They uh, defunded, I believe, to a certain extent. Oh yeah. Todd Daytona, Shando, if you want to know who's messing with your headphones, just put the old black shoe polish on it, man. <laughs> Somebody will tell you, and they won't forget. Works every time. Be do be do. When Oregon enacted that law, I went up there to test it out. (laughs) I was sitting on the courthouse steps doing a line of cocaine and got arrested. I said, what the heck? I thought it was legal now. They said, yeah, but you're using a plastic straw. Hell. We do. All right. (laughs) The old plastic straw. Supercalifragilisticexperiential. Shannon thinks it's not a word, so it might be consequential. Supercalifragilisticexperiential. Supercalifragilisticexperiential. Dum de dum Hey, Shannon, do you want to eat, uh, Heather Farley up here in the Panhandle? Um, yeah, up in Seattle, uh, when I was uh, probably about 20 years ago, I was up there skiing, skied for about 30 years and uh, drank a bottle of Rumplemints 101 proof and went down to the car parking lot and, you know, probably about six hours after skiing and uh, went down there and slept up against a snowbank, but I was passed out and three hours later, my buddies got me, but they said I would have been dead too. So uh, drink where it's Good advice. That is great advice. <laughs> Yesterday, Sparky352 said he was going camping this weekend in Cedar Key. Be careful, Sparky. It's like that old joke. Someone asked you, if you went camping and woke up with a sore butt, would you tell anybody? And you say no. Then they say, you want to go camping? Just be careful, man. Uh <sighs> Come on. Chance.
beginning. Uh, I remember when we had a mushroom party, we lost one of our friends for about two and a half hours. We walked around the neighborhood looking for him, couldn't find him anywhere. And finally we found him sitting in front of a car under the carport. He was there the whole time. You know, stuff happens. So who was more high, him right. in the carport or the car, or the guys wandering for two hours looking for him? A mushroom party is a bad idea because you got to have somebody, in, you know, in charge. Yeah, you have to have somebody that can keep the doors shut. Yeah. We, we, my partner and I once took our employees from the bar. All out of, We got a couple of boats for Lake Travis and Austin. And all of a sudden, they're all drinking, having a good time. Uh, and all of a sudden, they start just behaving bizarrely. They're all laughing their ass off. They're out of the boat. They're swimming up to a this rock abatement and jumping off it, all this dangerous stuff. And then I, I'm like, what is going on? And one of the guys goes, everyone's tripping their balls off right now. I'm like, oh, my God. So I was just a babysitter the rest of the day. You said this guy's an HIV scientist. Fauci did the whole HIV thing, and it went the same way basically COVID did. <laughs> Most of the people died from taking the medicine. Now they've got HIV woven into the COVID vaccine. This, this isn't no accident, man. There's something going on. They killed them people. I don't know. <laughs> they were uh, all together watching the Bills, the Chiefs game, and they all of a sudden they're like, we figured you out, man. You were- <laughs> I just checked my backyard for dead bodies and didn't see any. So I called your show for my alibi in case they show up later. The death of those three guys that froze should be investigated as a homicide because there's only three categories. Uh, there's suicide, there's natural, and there's homicide. Even a, a traffic investigation uh, when a guy dies is considered a traffic homicide investigation. So uh, it, it's no reason not to look at it as a homicide first. I mean, what about n- died of natural causes? Is it freezing to death a natural cause? It can be. How many we the people are ready to go to Texas and fight for Texas? How many of our listeners are ready to do this? I don't know. Here's the funny thing about that energy story from Arizona. I actually worked on that wind project in New Mexico. Two years ago, they didn't have the lines run then. They don't have the lines run now. The power is supposed to go to California, but apparently nobody ever thought about working out the logistics <laughs> of the lines. Wow. To find government boondoggle. All that money will literally piss off spinning in the wind. So they just built wind turbines and didn't figure out maybe we should attach some lines to it so we can send this power somewhere. Well, that's the problem. I think maybe you've got a, a wind turbine company, you know, and then you've got a power line company. And then, you know, you're like the wind turbine guy. You're like, hey, yeah, the turbine looks great. It's looking, it's all done. Yep. Here's your invoice. You go, um, what about the lines? Oh, we don't do lines. We only do, uh, we only do windmills. Boy, what do you, uh, I never met nobody all dumb as you. <laughs> Did you not read the side of my yeah. truck? It says Johnny's wind turbine, yeah. not Johnny's electrical line. Then you call the line running guy, and he goes, are you out of your mind? We can't run a line through this valley, through the Indian land. You should have called me first before you bought that windmill, boy. That's what it is. Star Trek guy. 
Comparing a huge company to a failing media company, that's a low blow. Let's look at X versus Twitter. Not debating the free speech, we all agree we need free speech. But somehow or another, Twitter was able to give reasonable pay, great benefits, and be able to keep the same stock price as X. So when all that went away, where did that money go? The stock price didn't shoot up. Uh, I'm guessing in the CEO's pocket. How about it goes back if there's if it's even profitable? Yeah, you, they shed how many people? Three thousand employees. That's that. That was a fat. They trimmed the fat. Those people were not needed. Yeah, they were hemorrhaging money. Actually, that's why right. they did sell it. Right, they were they were hemorrhaging money. And and if it does turn a profit, maybe some of that money ought to go back into Elon's pocket to re to replace the forty four billion dollars that he bought it with. Jeez. The elections in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> always on, yeah, even. Well, the cool thing about him not being able to be reelected is it don't matter who's calling him a racist in his last term. He can do whatever the hell he wants. My fellow brethren and sister, guess he didn't think that one out real clearly, did he? Be-doo, be-doo. I, for one, am very grateful that Abbott found his nutsack and decided to do something for a change. Yeah. But he also could have done this a very, very long time ago. I, for one, am extremely interested what it was that got him to finally get his nuts to drop and act like a man. Miss Kate, if you're out there listening, will you please share whatever kind of shrooms that you got that you take? I am so interested. I'm there. Please share. Dosis Alley X Ballistic Agicalarupus. Dosis Alley Fragilistic Cal. Okay. Oh, there's accidental death, bro. Was he peeing? Did he left out? <laughs> Either that or he's, ba- he's in the bath. Yeah, but you're killed in a. If uh, you die in a car accident, it's initially called a, a, a homicide. You're investigating a homicide. Y'all make fun of me all you want, man, but is that the really the strangest thing you've heard all year, or even the past couple, three, four years that maybe that happened with the HIV thing? <laughs> it's not. Uh, I mean, I'll never argue anybody on their conspiracy theories anymore because right, 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 too many times. True. I'm ready to go to Texas. I'm, I've, I've been ready. I'm fed up. I'm, I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's gather up. Let's go. Saddle up. Every, every, just asking for a friend. Every, if he went down in there, fought for Texas. Every, at the border. What would the accommodations be like? Huh. Would there possibly be a drink package? <laughs> uh, yeah, do you, uh, can you fight during the day so you can do your drinking at night? I mean, we're just going to start the war with the shirtless Jason Kelsey running around there. <laughs> hey, guy who thinks X stock is going up, X is a private company. They don't have stock. True. Okay, X is a privately owned company. It doesn't have a share price. It's not publicly traded like Twitter was. That's if you if you look at the ticker for Twitter, it has the basically the 
the price from the last trading day. The Twitter before he took it private. Yeah. Being the purchase price. Good point. Man, Star Trek guy really, 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 really hates people richer than him. <laughs> uh, oh, we got one more. Does not anybody remember Governor Abbott of the state of Texas telling Joe Biden that you send anybody down here after I've made my stand bring body bags? Nobody remembers Abbott telling him. I don't think he said bring body bags. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. He never told the federal government, if you come down here, you better bring a bunch of body bags. <laughs> that sounds something like maybe, I don't know, David Koresh would say. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Uh, we getting dark. <clears throat> uh, you know, when someone gets kidnapped, what's the first thing that usually gets sent out? The ransom. Note. Yeah, of course. And sometimes that ransom is paid and, well... Never found again. Some unsolved mysteries when it comes well, to... Well, the ransom was paid and the person's not found? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, uh, sounds like a bad deal. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll do it next. <clears throat> uh, stick around. It's the Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Man Radio Network. WFYY HD3 Windermere. WXUS HD3. W266DY Tonellan. WZLB Valparaiso. Florida Man Radio. There's a climate reporter at the New York Times, David Gels. Well, he was a journalist. He's no longer a journalist. Uh, his journalism dipped his little toe into advocacy. He, he had a speech at the World Economic Forum bragging that he implored the rule of CEOs and diplomats and NGO leaders to step up their urgency and begin considering truly radical political and environmental interventions into climate change. Quote, the hour is late and it's incumbent on those with the capital and the cloud to start de- deploying their whole, the whole of their resources toward cl- the climate crisis. Yeah. That's no longer journalism. Uh, there is no, the, there is no pretense of full objectivity, any, uh, objectivity anymore. You, no. you know, almost everything you listen to from a journal, a so-called journalist, you instantly. I mean, you don't even have to sniff hard to 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 uh, hear the advocacy or the bias in it. I mean, that's why that you can cut 115 people from your staff and not feel bad because there is 115 people there that are not reporting news. They're reporting their feelings or how they feel about something. Uh, that is why the LA times has so much fat on their, their staff is because of the fact it's not a newspaper room. Uh, half of it is a, a journal, uh, uh, op ed room going on over there. This guy's written articles titled things like hope and despair on a boiling planet. And is it too hot for fun in the summertime? <laughs> and climate disasters daily. Welcome to the new normal. That's just a fear mongering, you know, pearl clutching, terrify, trying to terrify people. Is it too 
hot in the summer, little Timmy walked out into the street and his feet melted to the ground. Is it too hot for fun in the summertime? Yes, we'll never be able to go outside and have fun in the summertime anymore. Here is an example of true blue Biden Denzians. They will clap at anything. They don't care, even if you can't understand what he's saying. We'll teach Donald Trump a valuable lesson. Don't mess with the women in America unless you want to get the benefit. We'll teach Donald Trump a valuable lesson. Don't mess with the women in America unless you want to get the benefit. Yeah! They just go bananas for it. It's like a, it's like a, he, uh, he was like a lead guitarist who just laid down a wicked riff. That's the type of person that you uh, see at a dive bar at 3 a.m. No, that's less than what Yeah, that's right. Trying to pay your tab. <laughs> uh, talk about uh, election denying. Hello, Virginia. <laughs> and the real governor, Terry McAuliffe. That look. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, yeah. Uh, Steve Ducey asked KJP uh, uh, about that because, you know, it's, it's to most people, sounds like he believes and is advocating that uh, Terry McAuliffe had that election stolen from him, right? Hold on, where is it? She says it. Oh, how come is it, you know, when, when Trump was obviously joking, it wasn't a joke? Right? But it was serious. If anybody was joking. Here we go. Is election denying a joke now? What do you mean? You have to say more than just make a random statement. (laughs) Why did the president say, hello, Virginia, and the real governor, Terry McCall? He was making a joke about Terry. He was making a joke. joke. He was, I mean, if you play it back, it's clearly that the president was making a joke. What's the joke? He was making a joke about McAuliffe's previous term as governor. How are you guys going to convince people, though, uh, that this idea of denying election results is very bad if President Biden is going out and making jokes like this? He did not deny. He did not deny it. He congratulated Governor Youngkin. Matter of fact, uh, when he won his election, he did it out of the gate. Out of the gate. Really. Truly. He, uh, he congratulated the governor. And not only that, we've had opportunities to work closely with the governor in, over the past couple of years. And, uh, you know, this is a president that works across the aisle. We've seen that uh, many times. Yeah. And he was making a joke. Yeah, that's a joke. Okay, so it's, it's okay to joke about it now. Oh, no, but you're not joking. You're serious. You really believe that Trump had the election stolen from him. That's dangerous to our democracy. I love she just, oh, he was making a joke about used to be the former governor. That's not what he said. He didn't say the uh, real he, governor, former, former governor, because he could have said uh, hello to former governor. Right. The former governor, Terry McAuliffe. Yeah. <clears throat> he said the real governor. Hmm. Um, farts on a plane. Can you imagine a dude farting so much that they had to uh, uh, kick him off the plane? They had to turn around. This dude was going to fly from Phoenix to Austin, Texas. Traveling, uh, He had been traveling towards the runway for takeoff when it was forced to turn around at the gate. 
The problem, uh, the passenger audibly disgruntled, maybe hungover, boarded the aircraft. At one point, he overheard the passenger say, you thought that was rude? Well, how about this smell? And then you heard it aloud. He loudly passed gas. He, they don't know what provoked that comment. Um, his behavior prompted responses from surrounding flyer, uh, flyers. One guy said, if you don't like it, you can fly private, to which the man said, that's so effing rude. Uh, and so other passengers chimed in with, you know, the same type of stuff. The offending passenger allegedly responded by saying, that's just low class. Um, when they pointed out he was flying in economy. The plane had left the gate. It was nearing the runway, preparing to take off. <clears throat> An announcement came over the uh, system and said, apologies for the interruption. We're returning to the gate. We'll give you more info when we have it. They returned to the gate. A flight attendant approached the uh, stinky passenger <clears throat> and informed him that he could not stay on the flight. He said, I don't understand. And she tells him that they'll talk about it off the plane. Uh, he didn't put up a fight. He grabbed his stuff and quietly left the plane. They delayed about 15 to 30 minutes, but most passengers were happy that they didn't have to have that guy farting on his plane. Yeah, you're ripping ones on the plane now. Off. Especially uh, loud on purpose because you want people. You might eke one out, you know, if it's, you know. Yeah, a little air pressure maybe. Uh, <laughs> you got a little issue going on. But... Or you go to the laboratory and you do it in there. Mm-hmm. He's a monster. <laughs> yeah, that's how old he was. It sounded like a, uh, like a young goofball type of, you know, oh, yeah, half drunk. <laughs> Dummy. Uh, let's get dark. All right, let's do that. It's disturbing history with EZ. There's a lot of history out there. Some of it isn't in the books. Uh, do you remember probably the most famous kidnapping and ransom case of all time? Uh, the... Uh, 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 yes, the damn it, the uh, 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 I forget. We're gonna go with the Lindbergh baby. Lindbergh, Jesus. yes. <laughs> say Lindbergh. There's a couple other. Uh, what's the one that uh, she was the heiress to the? Uh, There's a Dupont guy. That yeah. guy, uh, there was he, one though that she was the she was the heiress to the Hearst family. Oh, Patty Hearst. Yeah, Patty Hearst. They kidnapped Ransom Raw, but she actually was part of it all. Yeah. But the Lindbergh one is one of the most famous, mainly because uh, there was a ransom, and the ransom was paid, and yet the baby was never returned. It was killed. Uh, A man was arrested. There's a lot of rumors going, little stories going around that he may have been a fall guy. It wasn't actually the person that did it. Uh, Actually, there's some people that now believe that Lindbergh himself maybe killed the baby, and... He uh, did the whole ransom thing as a cover-up for the fact that he accidentally oh, killed his baby. Yeah. Things like that. But uh, throughout history, there's been many cases where uh, there has been a kidnapping, a ransom, and then not always a happy ending to it. Actually, a lot of times, there is now a happy ending to it. Really, it's very rarely that you actually really? see Really? You get your kid back or your family member back? It's rare? Well, yeah. They're very rare where the ransom is actually paid and the kid is returned or the person is returned. Uh. And we're going to talk about some of those because well, we that's need the things we need. We need the... This kidnapper starting to live up to their end of the bargain. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we'll start with one of the most first known victims to receive widespread publicity after being kidnapped was a four-year-old boy named Charlie Ross. On July 1st, 1874, Charlie Ooh. was paying, playing with his older, uh, older brother in the front yard when two men pulled up in a horse-drawn carriage and offered the boys candy and fireworks if they would take a ride with them. 
Now, I have no proof that these guys originated the candy and fireworks. Uh, sounds to me like the boy, first that's the, <laughs> fireworks is a new one, but the candy deal is that's a uh, time honored tradition, apparently. <laughs> candy, fireworks, and I got a puppy back up the street, too. <laughs> Uh, the boys were taken to town, and after Walter was given money to go inside a store and buy fireworks, so I didn't have the fireworks with them, apparently. Ah, uh, okay. Seems a little, uh... Were well, they on. rich kids? That are... No, these are... 1874, these are poor kids. Oh. They got into a cart with some strangers of yeah, some candy. that's true. And the promise of some fireworks. Uh, the two men left, though, with, Char- with young Charlie. Charlie's... Actually, okay, I take that back. Seemingly wealthy father, Christian Ross... So they did seem to be wealthy. Received notes demanding twenty thousand dollars ransom for his son. It's eighteen seventy four, so uh, it's a couple hundred thousand dollars. Uh, wow, type of ransom. Actually, more than that, twenty thousand, a couple almost million dollars. Uh, of course, the stock market had crashed, and Christian was poor as everyone else, and he could not afford to pay. So he went to the authorities for help. Even though the kidnappers provided instructions for where to deliver the ransom, they never showed up. Months later, two criminals named Bill Mosher and Joe Douglas were shot while attempting to burglarize a home. Mosher was killed instantly before dying. Douglas confessed the two of them were responsible for the Charlie Ross abduction. Charlie's brother positively identified them as the men in the carriage. Unfortunately, they never, ever took the actual what happened to young Charlie, and they took it to their graves on what happened to him. Wow. They never got the money, or did they get their money? Uh, They never got the money because Uh. there was no money. Wow. Again, $20,000 then was uh, insane money, and uh, it was after the stock, stock market crash. So nobody had that type of money, really. Unless you were like a Vanderbilt or right, uh, something yeah. like that. Afternoon of September 19, 1934, five-year-old Dorothy Ann Disselhurst left her school to walk home. But, of course, never arrived. After the authorities were notified, they spent the next several days searching for her, but could find no trace. However, once the national media began focusing on the case... The Disselhurst family started to receive ransom letters from everywhere. Everyone was oh, like, we're going to no. send a ransom note. Authorities were unsure if any of them were actually genuine or if they were inspired by the publicity of the case. The most vivid ransom demand stated that Dorothy Ann would have her eyes burned out with acid if her oh. family did not pay, her, pay them $175,000. 1934, again, that's an insane amount a lot of, money. of money. On November 13th, two employees of the Davidson County Tuberculosis Hospital. Very specific hospital. We're digging flower beds in a remote corner and wound up uncovering young Dorothy Ann's body. Her skull had been crushed and her personal items and clothing were discovered some distance away. Uh, most disturbingly, though, her face had been burned with acid. Uh, so that one asking for the $120,000 may have been actually real. Uh, in spite of investigative, uh, intense investigation, the murderer was never found, and the case remains unsolved to today. They always say not to call the cops. Do these people call the cops? Uh, that's how you do it. You can't not call the cops. Yeah. I was, uh, well, uh, don't you call the cops. Okay, well, how would you like me to go about setting all this up? Dude, we need a little bit of uh, in-between here. Approximately 9.30 p.m., March 16, 1977, 19-year-old Douglas Mueller finished his shift at a gas station in Scottsdale, Arizona, and left to drive home. And he never arrived home. Police, uh, soon parents uh, were notified the police, and the next day, Douglas's parents received an anonymous phone call ordering them to go to a specific payphone for instructions. Douglas's father went to the payphone and found his son's driver's license, along with a ransom note that appeared to be in Douglas's handwriting. The note demanded the Mueller's pay $57,000 for Douglas's safe return and provided instructions for a drop-off. 
The Mueller's followed these instructions, dropped off the money at the specific location, but no one ever showed. Throughout the next two months, the Mueller's received three more calls, went through three more drops, but the ransom was never claimed. Douglas's abandoned car was later discovered at an airport, but his family would receive no answers until 2011, after a hiker came across a male femur bone in a remote desert uh, area. Man. DNA testing would confirm that it belonged to Douglas. However, the rest of his remains have yet to be found, and the identity of his murderer is unknown. Mm. They tried to pay that guy. Four times. But, like most ransoms, odds are the person's dead already. Really? Yeah, it's... You try to, uh, like, okay, we're going to ransom, we're going to return you, and then it, I think it starts crossing people's minds, like, this dude's staring at me. He knows exactly what we look like, or where we're at. Uh, you forgot to put the bag oh, on his head. Yeah. Uh, all those things. Uh, most criminals are idiots. July 26, 1988. 73-year-old Annie Laurie Heron vanished from her residence in Jackson, Mississippi. Annie's husband, Robert Heron, was a prominent and successful businessman, and the family's estate was worth somewhere in the range of 100 to $200 million. When Robert came home, he discovered blood smears and a ransom note. The note instructed him to pay money to franchises owned by School Pictures, a company that uh, Robert had taken over a few years earlier. Uh, in exchange for the return of his wife, Robert would disperse the ransom money to 12 school picture locations throughout America. <laughs> That's bizarre. When Robert held a press conference begging for Anna's return, he received another note, which was signed by her and stated she would be sealed in a cellar if he did not comply with the demand. Sealed? Yeah. Good. Robert's mailed the money to the franchises listed, and one of these receipts was an attorney named Newton Alfred Wynn. Wynn had once been in a lawsuit with Robert, uh, over unpaid money, so authorities believe he was responsible for the kidnappings. In 1990, Wynn was arrested and sentenced to 19 years in prison for a conspiracy to kidnap, extortion, and perjury. However, he has always maintained his innocence and was released in 2006. Unfortunately, Annie was never found. Oh. I mean, she was uh, 74 at the time, so... Uh, wow. That sucks. Well, they, just, they don't want to... Uh Keep the hostage. You got to feed them, treat them humanely, you know, treat them nice. I think nobody ever thinks through of the actual returning the person. That's the part that nobody ever gets. Like you, you go through the whole thing. Okay, we've kidnapped somebody. We've set a ransom. We say we want it dropped at this place. Uh, they never have a way of like, okay, now how do we give the person back? You just let it go. Let the person go. Right. You would think that, but uh, you can't. At that point, you got your money. What, what do you care? But you can't let them go near some place that they know where you're at, or if they've right. seen your face, or if any of these things. Uh, especially for a guy that uh, was obviously suing him before. And again, most of these times, the kidnappings, the person's killed during the kidnapping anyway. Yeah. So the ransom, honestly, is trying to like, hey, if we can get a couple bucks out of this, they've already they're already dead anyway. During the evening of August 23rd, 1984, a three-year-old boy named Clark Toshiro Honda was abducted from his bedroom in Fairfield, California. The family had nine children, and Toshiro shared the bedroom with his five other siblings. Wow. But none of them recall anyone entering the room during the night. The next morning, Toshiro's mother found a note on his bunk bed and noticed the adjacent window was open. The note demanded the Hondas pay a ransom in exchange for Toshiro's return. Toshiro's family complied with the instructions and brought the money to a specified rendezvous point, but no one showed. Again, a kind of a trend is, I don't know if that's a... Uh, uh, people trying to be too smart for themselves where they're like, okay, we want you to drop the money here 
but we're going to make sure we're not going to show up because we're actually making sure the cops aren't there waiting for us. So, right. So a lot of times, like the first drop, nobody ever seems to show up. Uh, unfortunately, it was nearly a week before the missing posters were circulated and the abduction received some media coverage. So there was never any strong leads about uh, who was responsible. The ransom demand was particularly bizarre. Toshiro's family was not known for having a lot of money, so the reason he was targeted is unknown. You would think a family with nine kids probably isn't exactly rolling in the dough. Yeah, no kidding. Not nine <laughs> kids with five of them in one bedroom uh, is not exactly the one you want to hit if you're trying to ransom. That's another, again, where you're going, that seems like that might have been someone that knew them, uh, wanted to hurt them in some way, knew they were never going to be able to pay a ransom. Oh, yeah, if you blatantly take a kid from a family that you know doesn't have any money, it's personal. Six-year-old June Rubbles was the daughter of Fernando Robles, owner of the Robles Electric Company. Her family was one of the wealthiest in Tucson, Arizona. On April 25th, 1934, June was leaving Roskirk School uh, when she was abducted. Uh, maybe Roskirk. Uh, two hours later, Fernando Robles was handed a note by a boy who had made 25 cents to deliver it. The note was signed by someone identifying themselves as Z and demanded that Fernando pay a $15,000 ransom in return for his daughter. And $15,000 in 1934. After the police were notified, June's grandfather received a second note from the kidnapper who agreed to lower the ransom to $10,000. Ah, nice bargaining. Yeah, June was ah, worth 15 total. Damn. Uh, Fernando was given specific instructions about where to deliver the money, but when he attempted to do so, again, no one showed. On May 14th, the governor received an anonymous postcard that revealed June's location. She was found inside a metal box buried in the desert outside of Tucson. Even though June had been chained in the box for 19 days, oh. the kidnappers had provided constant food and water, so she was still alive. Wow. There was a ton of potential suspects, but not enough of evidence to actually ever prosecute anybody. Uh, a federal grand jury reviewed the case, referring to it as alleged kidnapping, implying that the Rebels family may have staged the entire thing as a hoax. A hoax? For attention? Or they were maybe hurting for money or things like that. There's uh, a lot of times when it comes to the ransoms, the families, especially the ones that aren't exactly poor or exactly rich, uh, do not put up the ransom. It'll usually be the city or things like that will try to put up the money and then they'll be like, hey, yeah, just pay us back over a couple of years. We'll get you out of there. So, very odd that they stuck her out in the desert and yeah. gave her a bunch of food and water. Continued to feed and water her, apparently, because the 19 days was... Uh, yeah, a long time. So somebody was coming back there and checking on her, but they never took the ransom money that was offered to them multiple times. Also, they lowered the price like right afterwards. <laughs> a little odd. We're having a special. <laughs> Buy one kid, get one kid for free. <laughs> Robert Wiles, twenty-six-year-old son of Tom Wiles, the millionaire owner of the uh, the uh, aircraft service company National Flight Services. Robert was employed with the company and worked at Lakeland Linder Regional Airport. On April first, two thousand eight, Robert disappeared from work. Two days later, his parents were emailed a ransom note from, quote, Group X, mm. demanding $750,000 for Robert's safe return. Tom followed the instructions and left the money, but no one collected it and never heard from Group X again. Oh. Now, this is one that starts to get a little uh, hanky and maybe starts to unravel. Suspiciously, Thomas had Tom had previously purchased kidnapping insurance from, from his company for the exact amount of $750,000. What? Kidnapping insurance? Yeah. <laughs> you don't have kidnapping insurance? No, I don't. <laughs> well, you need to call up your uh, insurance provider. Yeah. Like, hey, you didn't offer me kidnapping insurance? This led to speculation that the employee of National Flight Services may have been responsible. 
The investigation eventually turned to the operations manager at Lakeland, who was reportedly the last person to see Robert alive. It was discovered that on the evening of Robert's disappearance, Holt had purchased plastic sheeting and two rolls of duct tape, which just screams, I'm about to murder someone. Yeah, it does. Holt's alibi did not hold up, and he also allegedly used Robert's cell phone to send the ransom email. In January 2012, Holt was convicted of manslaughter and sentenced to 30 years in prison. So, whatever you do, do not tell everybody that you have ransom insurance. Because Tom was apparently wandering around his office telling everybody he just got a sweet yeah, ransom insurance. I'm covered. Deal. My kid gets kidnapped. <laughs> I got, I'm booked. No big deal. Yeah, you see Robert over there? Someone tries to kidnap him. Boom, covered. I'm covered. I got insurance. This. All state. <laughs> I got I am, a $500 deductible. I'm covered from mayhem like kidnapping. <laughs> we'll end with one last one. One Virginia Piper, July 27th, 1972. Wealthy investment banker Henry C. Piper Jr. Returned home to his uh, returned to his home, discover his housekeeper taped to a chair. She told him that his wife, Virginia, had been abducted by two masked men who left behind a ransom note. In exchange for Virginia's safe return, they demanded $1 million, which was the largest ransom in U.S. history. Again, that's 1972, so you're looking probably closer to 10 to 15 yeah, or so yeah, now. At least. Uh, Harry's instructions were to drop the $1 million behind a Minneapolis bar, and he complied. The next day, an anonymous tip revealed that Virginia was chained to a tree in Jay Cook State Park, and she was soon found alive. Over the year, only $4,000 of the ransom money was recovered. In 1977, Kenneth Carahan and Donald Larson were charged with the kidnapping. After they were convicted, the two men were granted a retrial. It was ruled that the judge had inappropriately barred the testimony of a defense witness who claimed she had overheard some other suspects plot the kidnapping. During the retrial, an expert witness testified that the evidence had been tampered with by the FBI, so... Kernahan and Larson were acquitted. Wow. And no one knows. No one knows where the rest of that money is. The rest of that money is, and everybody's free. They only got $4,000? Well, they only got $4,000 of it back. That's all, that's all the guys had on them? It stashed uh, the rest. All they got on them, or maybe uh, those were the bills that they had marked specifically, uh, uh, so they knew that those were spent. Wow. And they didn't do any time either. No, they got off. All right, when we return, uh, there's a woman in California who stabbed her boyfriend 108 times to death, but she was only punished by getting two years probation. I'll oh, tell you, good lawyer. it's the mitigating factor involved here. You may want to be informed about it. We'll talk about it next. It's the Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Man Radio Network. Okay, man, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. Cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. you got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments, because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Show the world that you're tougher than tough. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org slash caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. California, things are a little different, as we all know. Uh, Bryn Spetcher, 33-year-old woman, uh, was convicted of killing her boyfriend by stabbing him 108 times. Um, She was sentenced to just two years probation and 100 hours of community service. Sounds like a light sentence, doesn't it? Uh, Just a touch. Well, they experts for the prosecution and defense both found 
that she had no control of her actions. She entered into a psychotic episode brought on by a marijuana bong hit. That's right. And apparently there is, uh, you you can, um, you, intoxicating, if you're intoxicated, it's not necessarily that you're going to get off, uh, you know, but she was involuntarily intoxicated, you see. They argue that she was an in- inexperienced pot smoker. She became involuntarily intoxicated at the time of the killing after her boyfriend, Chad Omela, uh, pressed her to take just one more bong hit after not getting high off the first one. Uh, so she was painted as, by the prosecution as a party girl that just wanted to get high. Uh, the night she killed him, she was portrayed by, in a different light by her father during the sentencing. She has worked her whole life helping others. He said, uh, uh, blah, blah, you know, all the good stuff. She was a licensed audiologist at the time and worked hard to get her degree. Uh, but she was involuntarily intoxicated into a cannabis-induced psychosis. And because of that, she had no control over her actions. She stabbed him 108 times. You might be able to get away with, like, I was in a stoner, a voluntary, uh, blah, 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 if he stabbed him, like, five times. And, well, oh, my God, I stabbed him five times. Yeah. I, I don't know how you even determine that. that she was in a... And, and cannabis-induced psychosis. There's no no such thing. There is no such high that she possibly could where she stabbed him 108 times. So had she taken the second bong hit without being pressed to do so, and voluntarily said, hey, you know what? I don't think I'll take another one. And she took a second one, and then it was in, uh, got into a cannabis-induced psychosis. Would she be guilty then? I mean, how many times does she have to stab him before she gets to be considered guilty? That sounds like, you know... 108 times, I'm telling you right now, she probably found out he was cheating on her. Because you, when you stab someone 108 times, that's a crime of passion. That's not a uh, trying to kill somebody. Maybe she just got some uh, pot that she didn't know how strong it was going to be. Like, uh, like this guy. Why do white people make the edible so strong? What are you running from? Why... Am I tasting colors? I just wanted to go to Target. <laughs> <laughs> this poor guy. He just wanted to go to Target. And uh, now he's got to call somebody to come get him. Now I got to call somebody to come get me because my car turned into a spaceship and I don't know how to fly it. I'm not an astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I guess it happens. Um, you know, this story is so, so nutty. Um, there's a study that claims that, I don't know if I... Giving your... It says that animals should have a, a, a say in laws. It's time to give them the right to vote. I get it that you know um this is a guy, this is a professor uh, Lone Radu Motoraka 
professor of philosophy at the Rowan University in New Jersey, in New Jersey, thinks that animals should have voting rights, which is completely stupid. They cannot comprehend. I mean, how are you going to ask them? You know, uh, and hey. uh, look, I, I could get every my dogs will do. I just have to hold a treat in front of them and I'll get them to vote whichever way I want. I I have seen uh, dogs picking the Super Bowl winners. I've seen a monkey that picked who was going to win the World Series. Why can't they vote? He admits the idea that animals could should have the right to vote sounds preposterous. But he says, accordingly, most authors who have touched on the issue dismiss it in a few words as obviously absurd. However, I'll argue that we can understand this idea as a natural outcome of our fundamental democratic commitments. Consequently, I believe governments should recognize a political right to vote for at least certain categories of, of animals. He wants an animal voting system that involves appointed representatives, either individual humans or whole companies casting votes on behalf of animals. Under his proposal system, people would only be appointed representatives casting votes on behalf of animals in cases involving animal welfare. Animal husbandry laws, meat production, fishing regulations, pet care. Just imagine they bring this horse in there. All right, Mr. Biscuits, clomp once for Biden, clomp twice for for Trump. I mean, he says he draws comparisons to representatives acting on behalf of children or people with mental disabilities who need somebody to uh, assert their rights. And that the incompetence of animals to exercise voting rights is not a valid reason to exclude them. All this sounds to me is like uh, it's a very liberal policy way of thinking is that you'll appoint people that are oversee the rights for animals. They'll be obviously peanut nutbag people uh, and they, you know, they will vote accordingly. Certain governments already permit the enforcement of animal legal rights through representatives. What's more, in many U.S. federal lawsuits, animals are named as the plaintiff, the one who brings a legal case against another. Historically, various governments exclude uh, excluded certain categories like women and slaves from having the legal legal rights because it it seemed justified at the time. But any commonly accepted reason for blocking animal voting rights should appear similarly archaic hundreds of years from now. Mm-hmm. Mr. Bobo, the chimpanzee, needs to be able to vote. This is really. They say it dates back to the Justinian Code, the Roman uh, Roman private law that asserts what touches all must be approved by all. I'm pretty sure they didn't mean animals. They didn't. I mean, they employed animals to torture and kill people for sport. At a time when public trust in our politics is at an all-time low, I believe time and energy is the best spent focus on ensuring the voices of our fellow citizens are heard and their votes are counted and not the animals. That's Matthew Kramer, a uh, legal political uh, political philosopher at Cambridge University. That's stupid. You're just giving a person two votes. Or, you know, many votes. More than one vote. Well, it's the same as, I believe, Utah. They're trying to make the Salt Lake a the Great Salt Lake, a person, so it can vote as well. <laughs> That's stupid. Utah is nutty. Um, they've got a, an, uh, a Republican senator there. Doug Welton has proposed a new bill there that this one, I think, makes sense. That uh, they, this bill would ban toddlers 
from kindergarten unless they're potty trained. <laughs> it seems like a no-brainer to, uh, you know, obviously this guy's a deep stater. This way, deepy, way, way too deep into the lives of people and citizens, you know, um, and, and the potty training of a child. But he's right on this one. What the, why is it to be a law? Why did the kindergarten say, oh, your kid crapped his pants. We got He can't come back until he's potty trained. Well, because then the parents would be like, but you say he has to go to school. Yeah, you but have not, to teach him. You need to teach him first how to uh, uh, take a dump okay. in a okay. toilet. Again, people are uh, dumb a lot of times, so they you have to have some enforcement sometimes. HB 331. Schools can only admit children on the condition that they have been bathroom trained. The bill demands you saw State Board of Education create a process for schools ensuring incoming uh, kindergarten students are toilet trained, including, quote, assurances from the parents. Uh, how, what? Heather, what? how, how uh, old are your kids when they are potty trained? Like two or three. So well before kindergarten. Oh, yeah. Most, I mean, I would imagine unless the kid has a learning problem, they probably are going to be potty trained before they're five. And if they've got a learning problem and they get an IEP or a 504, then they're going to be allowed to show up in diapers. Really? Yeah. Not in Utah. Well, if they've got... Well, I don't know how their IEPs work there, the individual learning programs, but like, I'm sure there's something in place that if a child has a disability and needs to still wear the diapers, they can. But most kids are going to be potty trained by five. I can't even believe they're worrying about this. Right. Like to the point where we need to uh, uh, write legislation. That means there's enough for them to actually have to write legislation. There's enough teachers that have said, hey, I'm tired of changing your kids' doo doo diaper. Yeah. They can't. What do you mean? Well, they're stuck in a, uh, as a kindergarten teacher, you're stuck in now a spot where you're not a caregiver for this child. Uh, So the last thing you want to do is open up a child's diaper that puts you in the position. Yeah, now you're a sexual deviant. That's your, yeah, you could be claimed of that. And then, too, though, you can't leave a child there in there. Sitting in a doo doo diaper. So you got to call the parents and say, hey, your kid crapped his pants. You got to come get him. Wow. Reintegration of a student once the student has become toilet trained and create exemptions from the requirement in subsection 6A. The student who is not able to be toilet trained before kindergarten because of a condition described as an IEP in an IEP section 504 accommodation plan. Uh, so there are, I guess, ex- exemptions, disabilities, certain conditions are put in place. Yeah, you're just a lazy parent if you can't. You got a, you know, a five year old who yeah. can't use the bathroom. Yeah, you're right. I never thought of the, the teachers. I didn't think of, I didn't change it a dirty. I've changed enough uh, of my own kids' dirty diapers. I don't need to change, you know, some strange, you know, little Timmy's diaper because his parents are lazy. Yeah, you've you've put that teacher and that administration into a uh, a position that they can't win because you, uh, you know, it's not a daycare where you've given them permission uh, to do those type of changes and things like that. You have to have them like, hey, we're not uh, to, we're not taking this kid's pants off. Right. I'll go to prison for that <laughs> in any other situation. <clears throat> well, um, if you see people, women in particular, squirting ketchup on their counters in front of men, there's a reason. Uh, it's called the Cleaning Up Ketchup Challenge. Inspired by a TikToker. Showed a video of her partner's attempt to clean it off the counter. It was hot sauce in this sense. 
It had 33 million views. <clears throat> After using way too many paper towels, he just keeps wiping the ketchup into the the, uh, the counter actually uh, versus actually just cleaning it up. And when he's done, the whole counter has a slight orange tint to it. He's used a half a roll of paper towels. Um, and, and, and a lot of people got involved in making, uh, they were curious about their own, how their own partners would do it. They would do it themselves. Uh, and they would by squeezing ketchup on the counter and nicely asking their man to clean it up. No. You just squeeze ketchup all over the counter. You clean that up. I mean, I, I don't know why it's a big deal to clean up ketchup. Uh, Heather, you said your 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 kid just wipes it around and around and around. Uh, he probably would. It's I mean, a no brainer. You, would, you, but... you 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 put the you, you have a, a, a little puddle of ketchup right on the edge of the counter. You get the paper towel. You put it you know between the ketchup and the and the what the other the other side of the counter, and you just wipe it towards you, and you catch it in another paper towel when it falls over the edge, and then you kind of brush it up a little bit. You don't go in there and just wipe it around. You're not going to soak up ketchup with a with a paper towel, right? Yeah, you're just spreading that sucker around, Heather. I I don't like the fact that they're they're testing each other in a relationship like and with ketchup like who's this expert or whoever decided to do this i don't know i don't know uh, i don't like the testing of the relationship that's rude what, what i mean what are they testing your ability to be able to clean up a spell something i don't they're seeing how i mean what's the end result they're seeing how the guy wipes it up or if he's messy and spreads it around right i know but what does it determine his competency? Yeah, his competency. Oh, so he's an idiot if he doesn't know how to get the ketchup cleaned up real quick. Well, yeah. Yeah. But... <laughs> uh, one guy was less concerned about cleaning it and more concerned his wife wasted the five cents worth of ketchup on the on the, uh, on the counter. Uh, used paper towels as well and saved the ketchup in a baggie for his next hot dog. No, oh, you're a nasty. <laughs> <laughs> I not put any ca- counter ketchup on my hot dog. Uh, not all men immediately reach for paper towels. The men... Uh, the various methods they used to save paper towels by wiping uh, and folding ended up backfiring. Uh, the ones that reached for the cleaner spray afterwards got a gold star. Oh. Not all men immediately reached for the paper towels. One uh, lady's husband used waxed paper and a book to scoop the ketchup miraculously off the counter. The guy says, I'm not explaining it well. You just got to watch the video. Uh <laughs> Uh, and one lady's partner opted to not waste 72 paper towels like other men and use an actual uh, dish towel. Um, another woman's partner also has a high IQ, scoop the ketchup into the sink instead of smearing it all over the countertop. Most men have a similar thought process when it comes to wiping up ketchup, and that's grab the paper towels. What's wrong with that? I mean, if you know how to do it correctly, then it's not a big deal. You need paper towel, you can use, you don't even have to use like one or two, but I think there's a lot of people that are idiots that are like three or four and they're just smearing it, trying to soak it up in the paper towel. I would and- think the more white collar the dude is, the less he's going to be able to affect, uh, efficiently clean up a spill of ketchup. The more blue collar the guy is, I mean, if he changes his oil and does his brakes, he's got that thing figured out. Yeah, I like the one uh, he she squirted on the counter and he just brushed it into the sink that was right next to yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Turn on the water, wash it down, and away we go. Uh, um, have you ever uh, 
Oh, yeah, your wife. Your wife has allergies, or is it? Is it? Oh, she does, yeah. Yeah. So, they're terrible. I knew some people, so they had kids, and, you know, we try to say, hey, you guys come over. We're going to have lunch or whatever. When you get there, and the food is, you've never seen food like this ever. It's like, what? It, well, our kid has this allergy, and then and, 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 uh, uh, Lucy over there has that allergy. What was that just flew by? Some side of bird. Yeah. Um, and we can't, uh, you know, we can't do the uh, whatever. No peanuts, no gluten. Real gluten, peanuts, dairy. This pork. I don't know. I was like, what do these kids eat? Um, Those are the kids you just want to sit there and eat like peanut butter M&Ms in front of them. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> One university uh, uh, professor uh, from Brazil who is allergic to, quote, nearly everything, spent an entire transatlantic flight locked in the bathroom after he got a serious reaction to the in-flight meal. Um, Lucas Gonsalvas Diaz, um, he said, I started to feel bad. He's kind of a bubble boy. He's allergic to nearly everything, peanuts, seafood, dairy, latex, pollen, chemicals with small, uh, strong smells, animal hair, preservatives, and a whole lot more. I wonder half... How many of these people really are? Well, my thing is, how does this guy not have an EpiPen on him at all times if that's yeah. the case? Like, he should probably have like three or four in his carry-on bag. <laughs> if he's exposed to any of that stuff, he experiences a range of symptoms from illness to anaph- anaphylaxis. Um, and so as a precaution before the flight, he informed the airline of his condition. They related to the flyers without... Without uh, uh, pointing him out, they said when we got on the aircraft, the, the warning was given. They didn't mention my name, but they made it clear that I found it very respectful. Flight was going smoothly until the meal started to be served, which was fish. And just the smell of the fish. He said it spreaded really quickly, obviously. Uh, and he, he, he started to sweat and itch. And he, uh, hoping to avoid a full-blown attack, he hopped out of his seat, ran to the bathroom. It's the only place with the uh, filter that constantly changes air, he says. And he remained there until the flight touched down in Portugal. Um, He read instructions on the wall to pass time. Where not to put your things, where to, you know, don't use this for that, don't smoke a cigarette in here. People were banging on the door like, hey, dude, we need to use this bathroom. Man. Uh, he, he, one day, this poor guy, listen to this. He was in his apartment. <laughs> he was exposed to two allergens in a row. So he's alone in his apartment. He's got his window open. His neighbor is uh, uh, cooking shrimp. When the steam of the shrimp wafted up into his window, he went into anaphylactic shock. When paramedics got there, he had already started to turn blue. They transported him to the hospital. He went into cardiorespiratory arrest. It was eventually declared dead despite the doctor's best efforts at resuscitation. He attributes this rapid deterioration to the fact that the medics, when the medics got there, they were using latex gloves. Another one of his allergic triggers. <laughs> Again, I'm really surprised this dude doesn't have EpiPens like everywhere in his entire house. Right. That if the smell of shrimp wafting into his house causes him to go into shock. And, and, and kill you? <sighs> um, yeah. Riding it out in the bathroom in there. 
surprisingly, he's not allergic to that blue water or a urinal cake smell. He's got that on lock. Uh, it's just one of those where if he is really having all these allergies to the point where he is a, basically a bubble boy guy, he's got to you got to know your limitations. Why would you travel? You, he, yeah, the, and, and if he told them that hey, I'm also allergic to seafood, they should have gone. Oh, you know what? We're serving fish on this meal. Did he not tell them that? What did he tell them? He's actually allergic to because apparently you have to write out a book for him every time that he tells people what he's allergic to. So I'm sure he didn't. He was like, okay, uh, it's a flight. And what's the odds of him having seafood? So we'll tell him I, don't, I can't do peanuts. Uh, they can't have pretzels. Have too much salt on them. Uh, Why are so many people allergic to peanuts now? You know, when I was a kid, there was never any peanut allergy talk. Peanuts were everywhere. We're, we're eating them. We're peanut butter. You ask a lot of people it's vaccines, but. Oh, yeah. Well, I would rule that out. But I know that some people have it severely. Like You know, it's, you'd think that, okay, I'm allergic to fish. I won't eat fish. Well, if you smell fish, is that, is that, can that be a real allergy? Or you think this guy's pumped up in his mind that he's allergic to fish and that just the very smell psychosomatically makes him uh, burst into uh, uh, symptoms? I mean, it's it's possible that he has that where he even not ingesting it, just the, the odor of it has the chemical compound that he's allergic to. It's very, uh, very odd. And again, if that's the case, then he probably shouldn't be Never leave the house or leaving right. his house or things like that. Or, or really maybe get one of those bubble head deals on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he really might be that guy that needs one of those. Boy. All right. When we return, the voice of reason or treason, depending on who you ask. John Jensen will join us next. It's the Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Man Radio Network. It's just a big dysfunctional family. Bubba the Love Sponge, The Don Miller Show, Bill O'Reilly, Dan Bongino, Shannon Burke, and Jesse Kelly. Usually just going one step too far. Yup. Florida Man Radio. WFYY HD3 Windermere. WXUS HD3. W266DY Donnellan. WZLB Valparaiso. Florida Man Radio. For some great football this weekend. Are you taking? I still, I still, I'd like to see Detroit. Uh, you know, it's been so long for them. They suck for so long. I only want Detroit just to, for Jared Goff to get some redemption. But I feel like the guy kind of got cheesed over. He took the Rams to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And then they were like, ah, we got to get rid of you. Bring Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford goes in, wins the Super Bowl, and then Goff goes to Detroit. Oh, yeah, give him some little redemption. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, and I know you're not going to root for the 49ers, so no, I'm not. <laughs> um, we check in on Wednesdays with our buddy uh, John Jensen. You can get him where you get your social media at Fix the Nation. A great, uh, great follow, John. How are you? Well, how are you feeling about the playoffs? Boy, I tell you, playoffs. I think if any of the four teams win, there's a good story behind it. My heart's going to root for Detroit, but I'm going to say I, I just think this is San Francisco's year. I just think it's NFC, it's, it's San Francisco. Um, I think the weakest team right now, believe it or not, is actually Kansas City. Really? Yeah. Huh. All right. Well, I think Baltimore straight brings them. I know. Okay. There are those that believe the conspiracy that they're, the NFL is scripted and, you know, there's all the, the colors of the Super Bowl when they announce it or often, you know, they design them early in the year. They, they're using the colors of the teams that are there. 
blah, blah, blah. But don't you think that if that were true, that it was hands down that the Chiefs would end up in the Super Bowl because you've got the romance and you've got the Taylor and, 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 and Travis, it, uh, you know, the, that would be the ultimate ending of the NFL year. But who knows? Yeah, I, I think if you believe in the scripting, then, then yeah. But I think that, that Baltimore right now is just on a mission. They're playing. Do you remember years back when in the NBA, um, Miami had to play San Antonio after San Antonio felt like they were jilted the year before? And San Antonio said, we want Miami. And they got Miami and they pounded Miami. <laughs> That's what Baltimore <laughs> plays like right now, which is really fun to watch. I'm not a Baltimore fan, but... Wow! If my Jets could do that, man, would I be happy? Um, yeah, that's interesting. Your Jets. Um, yeah, I, I'm just excited to watch football, but but I have to have something that you know I can't just blindly watch it. I have to be rooting for one team or the other, and I I do think that Detroit's my uh, my uh, my team. You know. Well, put it this way: they're going to break a. You know, they've never won it. Baltimore hasn't won it since. You know, Ed Reed and. Uh, Oh, uh, the linebacker. Um, I don't know. Baltimore? Oh, God, what's his name? Yeah. Um, Ray Rice is running back. Who is the oh, best, best linebacker? Lewis. Ray Lewis. Yeah, Ray Lewis. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You know, so it's been a while. Kansas City is the dynasty yeah. in the making right now. You know, and San Fran. I mean, can you imagine being Brock Purdy and being Mr. Irrelevant, the last guy <laughs> in the draft, yeah. and having a Super Bowl ring? I can buy the story right now if you're Hollywood. Buy it right now because he wins it. That's a literally worst to best story. You can't you can't write it like that. If you right. couldn't. Have. Yeah, and he's gonna. You know, he's still playing under a rookie contract. You know, uh, uh, league minimum. So <laughs> it'll be a payday for him for sure. No doubt about it. Um, all right, so New Hampshire's come and gone. He, uh, Trump gets a notches out a eleven point lead. You know, when I was considering John prior to the New Hampshire primary, what what uh, 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 span of defeat would be would make sense for Nikki Haley to drop out? I was thinking if she lost, which we knew that she would, but if it was between like five and ten percent, maybe she should stick aboard. It was eleven. Uh, she thinks that she can win some more. She's headed to her home, uh, you know, her home or the, the the state she was governor of. Um, does does this victory for Trump mean anything? And uh, it's much narrower than most predicted. And what what lies ahead in South Carolina? Um, so, going to jump back real quick. Uh, Ramaswamy was in it, got fourth place in Iowa, immediately dropped out. Back to Trump. That surprised me because he was self funded, but I get it because he had no path. Um, DeSantis dropping out made sense because he had no shot in New Hampshire because he had spent no money and Trump and Haley by far were going to be one and two. Haley, on the other hand, is in it through South Carolina no matter what, in my opinion. I don't think New Hampshire is going to affect her at all. She has the money. Now, after South Carolina, unless she really, really does well in South Carolina, I don't think, I think she has to fold tent. I don't see the money the path for the energy there. And then at that point in time, Trump pivots and it's Biden versus Trump game on. Um, so what do you, uh, if she doesn't prevail, if she doesn't win in South Carolina, she drops out or if she doesn't, or you think she'll set the, the bar like, okay, if I, if I do, if I lose, but I lose, you know, 10 points, I'll stick around. 
She said today, no, or yesterday, she said there, there's a lot of other states to go and, uh, you know, that it's not over yet and so on and so forth. DeSantis said that on the very day he stepped out of the race. You know, they're, they're going to say there's always a, you know, you know, we're at the long haul right up until they say we're out. So I, I don't, she's going to say that until she is in fact out. I think she needs to win South Carolina outright to be able to have any conversation. If she can't win her home state, she can't win any state. Yeah. You know, and again, mm-hmm. let's go back to New Hampshire for a split second. She got a lot of independent and Democrat votes. Yes, she did. She doesn't rally the base up. She brings from the other side in an attempt to chisel into Trump. They don't want her. They just don't want him. Right, right. I mean, they, they, they openly said it. I, you know, there's, I have audio of a guy that says, yeah, I voted for uh, Nikki Haley. And the, and the interviewer is like, what, uh, are you a, a Republican, uh, independent, or a Democrat? He's, oh, I'm a Democrat. I just voted for uh, Haley because I'd rather have uh, Biden face Haley than Trump. At the end of the interview, she said, well, who are you going to vote for? She goes, oh, he said, I'm voting for Biden. <laughs> right. And see, this is, this, I love the fact of open primaries because it gives the people who are independents a chance to vote for either side and have a say. I appreciate that small game. The downside to an open primary is you get games like this being played in a tight race. Let's pretend Trump was not a landslide guy. They could skew the outcome, and that's really unfair because a party should pick their party candidate. I believe that with all my heart. What I do think states need to do, all 50, need to have a GOP, a Republican primary, a Democrat primary, and an independent primary, all of which are close. No matter what you are, stay in your lane. You vote for your guy or girl and let the better one win in the end. And that would, by the way, a third-party candidate on every single ticket forces the two parties to come back towards center and represent all of us. True. Um, Texas border stand, where are you on this? Abbott seems to have a, a very valid constitutional stand I, I don't get why the Supreme Court sided with the administration to cut the wire. Nonetheless, Abbott says, I don't care. I've got a, a, a duty here to the people, my, my, you know, my, my constitutional duty as a governor of a state, uh, a border state. Do you think we could see a federal state standoff down in Texas? I, I'm hoping it doesn't come to that. But I will say this, just, just so we're crystal clear, from a constitutional standpoint, the immigration control is absolutely a federal government issue. It was, it was given to the federal government. It was assigned there. The states do not control. The states control elections. The states control things like abortion rights. But that was never given to the federal government. Immigration is absolutely a federal responsibility. So I get why the court went there. They did not say, take the razor wire down. And that's what I don't understand. Is the, it's already up. Why are you taking it down and making it easier to come in if your job is to protect our sovereignty, which is control the border? You know, it's a passive deterrent. Go pay Texas for it as opposed to remove it down. I do think what the state should do is sue the federal government for gross negligence because they are literally not enforcing the law. They literally are making it wide open, and they literally are causing taxpayers in all those states emotional, physical and financial trauma. Governor Abbott, in his letter, quotes the uh, the clauses constitutionally 
Uh, he said this is why the framers included both Article 4, Section 4, that which promises the federal government shall protect each state against invasion, and Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3, which acknowledges, quote, the state's sovereign interest in protecting their borders uh, and the failure of the Biden administration to fulfill their duties imposed by the Constitution reserves is what it, it triggered the Article 1, Section 10, which re, which reserves to this state, he says, the, uh, of Texas, the right to self-defense. So you're telling you, you, you believe, John, that, that if, a, if a federal government says ignore the border and you, know, you can't do anything to enforce it, that the governor of that border state, the largest you know mileage of border, uh, has to just sit there and allow his state to be invaded by illegal aliens? Um, I, I think they have to go through the legal system to get to get their their due. Um, I think what they're doing is working. By the way, keep oh. sending people via bus and plane to places like Massachusetts. So now, in Logan Airport, is now housing illegal undocumented individuals because they are shelter in place. They, they, you absolutely, the state is obligated to provide shelter right. for them. Yeah, let them same, feel the burden. Same let thing at O'Hare Airport. Is, O'Hare Airport has an entire terminal, a new one they hadn't opened yeah. yet, and it's apparently smells like a sewer in there now. It's a bunch of hundreds right. of families in there. What you quoted was a state to state, they have the right to protect their border. When you go from another country into our country, that's immigration. And to, to use the word invasion, you would have to, in a court of law, say we're being invaded. These are people coming, quote unquote, for asylum, the refugees. They're not invading, think, war or cartels or to, to do us harm militarily. Yes, but so but you the, have a real tough time proving that in a court of law. This, the, the previous administration put into place the stay in Mexico policy. Um, this, this administration has not only done away with that by executive order, it has used a loophole in the system called the parole. So they're actually paroling, uh, that's their own description, uh, these illegals into the country. And, and, you know, you've seen the numbers, a couple of million a year, a little over two million per year. I don't see, A, how it does not affect the, the, the general, John. I really just don't, I don't know how everybody in a blue state that's been inundated with, you know, 100,000, 130,000 illegals, like Chicago, they're suing, Chicago's, you're now suing the the city. I mean, the Chicagoans are suing the city right. for a number of reasons. Right. The people of Chicago are suing the the people that they elected, quote unquote, for, for failure to do their job. Um, I I get all that. I think that in the general, you're going to have two. I will call them emotional issues. One is abortion, where they're going to rally up the, the the people on that, and one is the border, because there's an absolute humanitarian uh, and and sovereignty failure by its administration. And again, I'll go back to the legal ramifications. If you're the state, you can demonstrate Trump had policies in place that this administration literally upended. You took us from being on a certain flight path to removing those protections and putting us all at risk. That's gross negligence. You not only couldn't invent the wheel, you couldn't even keep the working wheel working. Right. But, but, but you know, as you see today, Governor Abbott has doubled down and added more razor wire and more borders and more, uh, you know, and I think at some point this administration is the of the mind that they'll come down there and use some fed, federal muscle against the Texas National Guard. Do, do you see that? Foresee that in the future? Uh, no, I, I, I would think I think you're going to have <laughs> the, the 
a, a very mixed bag. Like you had a, you know, National Guard from Florida sent to Texas to help Texas. You could have very one up have National Guard versus National Guard in a standoff. You know, with that just not going to happen. You can't, you can't have that. That's insanity. Some good people are going to get hurt because somebody's going to going to going to not do something the right way. Um, it's going to get ugly before it's going to get better. I will say this. The court of public opinion is completely on Texas' side. Oh, yeah. So Texas, every single day, she has multiple press releases, multiple people talking about it. Every every single day, pound the table of outrage, tell stories, show things. You know, this is a failure and weakness and capitulation by the federal government, by the administration, to not protect our sovereignty and enforce our immigration laws. They are failing us. Vote Republican in November. Pound it, pound it, pound it, pound it. There, there is a lot of secession talk in Texas. You know, there it comes and goes, it ebbs and flows. Uh, but most uh, Republicans agree that, uh, it, or a lot of them do in Texas anyway, that to secede would turn that from a state border into their, I mean, from a, a, a federal border into into a Texas border, and they would just wall that some bitch up and guard it like, uh, you know, like a like a prison. Um, so a couple things. One, secession's never going, never going to happen. It shouldn't happen. And if they do secede, uh, tr- trust me, then to take your uh, fair share of both the the national debt and the un- unfunded liabilities that are already on the books for your people. Number two is you get nothing from us, whether you're a left or right state that leaves. We don't protect you. We enforce the border. You are now a separate country. You mean that you no longer can come in, etc. And the conventions of states be very careful about about opening that Pandora's door. Do you really think people today could write a constitution like they did a couple hundred years oh, ago? Oh, God, no. God, no. Okay, Hell they no. would shred it and make it every... It would be a wet dream for all the elitists to write what they want to write. Second Amendment would be gone. I mean, gone. You right. think it's going to go one way? I think it goes completely the other way. I think the Convention of States is amazingly dangerous for this country. That might actually be the end game for the left. Well, let me ask you, do you believe that the federal government is, uh, that Joe Biden is uh, in a dereliction of his duties here? Um, not in an impeachment sense. He's incompetent more than he's dereliction. Um, I think it's gross negligence by the federal government, and that's where you go if in, in a court of law. Um, it, it, whether it be financial repercussions or it be for literally changing tax. Okay, but they, you have to put pressure on them through a court of law to get them to change this outcome. And the court of public opinion just beat that drum because there are a lot of people, independents, are not happy with this. Yeah. Even moderate Democrats are not happy with this. But the left is to blame, pound the table, make them look like the morons they are considering immigration policy and the weak uh, people they are about lacking to enforce that policy. They're certainly, they're certainly weak. I, I, I just, what is your interpretation in terms of what it does to his support, uh, in, 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 especially in the blue states that this this busing program program has affected, like New York and Illinois and others, uh, Maryland and Maine. Do you see it actually changing some votes? Um, it's not going to change president vote. You're going to have the blue states will still be blue. Where it's going to district by district, you'll have the purple district will start to slide toward the Republican. 
Um, you, you won't have the down-ballot support. You won't have the independents back you like they should, quote-unquote, in a typical incumbent. You know, that, that's normally, if the, he just simply done his job, the independents wouldn't be as motivated to move. The independents would swing and back a Republican if the Republican made sense, if the Republican didn't scare them, you know, and that's, if down ballot, you can get that. Trump is the wild card. Will independents swing and vote for Trump while they hold their nose or the independents stay home or the independents hold their nose and vote for Biden, who has, quote unquote, failed them on a different level? So it's, it'll be a really interesting November, I think. I do, too. Um, I think one of the biggest problems facing uh, the, the, some of the fallout for this immigration or this illegal alien uh, invasion, if you want to call it that, is that they're let in at six million point six point two million two million a year plus, and they've well, they're all over the country now, and they have the inability to work. They can't have a job. Uh, UC California wanted to hire the illegals that uh, that, that go to school there, the undocumented, sorry, that, that attend school there to do work on the campus, have a job, so they can have some income. And the Biden administration themselves reached out to them and said, oh, "That's illegal. You're violating federal law." So. We've imported all these uh, or allowed this, this uh, uh, you know, six million, six point two million, some say eight, as many as eight in the country with the inability to work. What is the what is the uh, goal of that? Because obviously that is a, a recipe for disaster. Um, yeah, but I think they're going to find work off the books. They're going to find documentation that's not necessarily legal to have the ability then work. They'll probably get some kind of assistance, you know, on various levels at varying degrees, whether it be federal, state, local. Right. Um, they're gonna, then they're going to put pressure on the system. If you allow people in with, you know, like if, if you legally immigrate, you have a work visa. You have the ability to come here and shop. You have the ability to fund yourself. If you're, if you're crossing a border, you know, and there are stories about this, they come over what's on their back. They come over with the clothes they want. You know, maybe some lines, you know, a loaf of bread. There, there really isn't a lot of bells and whistles when you come over, and you're building it from, up from nothing. And there's some wonderful stories about people who have done that successfully, and there's some horror stories. You know, in the, in the homeless population, the greatest amount in poverty or homeless is actually immigrants. You know, you're not putting them in a place to succeed. No kidding. Them here and do it yeah. them. It's humanitarian Failure. And they're and they're they're inspired in part by the United Nations and about 250 NGOs that work in Latin America with 1.6 yeah. billion dollars to hand out in in, in uh, visa cards, uh, debit cards to it not only uh, entice them to make the move, but to make it easier to them uh, on the way. Uh, uh, reloadable uh, cards that are that are handed to these people. It's almost like they're being paid to go to the United States. And once they get here, the money ride dries up, and they're and they're all on entitlements and, and support. Well, in a way, in a way, they are paid to come here. In in this regard, they they are fitting a certain agenda. The more they dilute our our country, the the less of our culture we have, and the more we have to assimilate into them. And that's that's unhealthy for anybody. That's no. that's not the America that anybody should want. We're a melting pot. We want immigrants. I would enforce the border, and I would triple legal Im- immigration. I want you to come here. I want you to come here legally, and I want you to go to work and be part of the success story of this great nation. I do not want you to cross the border not knowing who you are, how sick you are, what burden or merits you have, you know, what your intent is, 
and especially you can't even fund yourself. So from day one, you're a burden to the country. Right. That's not what we're, what we're about. <laughs> and the whole asylum refugee thing, it, the way it's written is just a crock. You know, I'm all for helping people who are truly traumatized. But if you were in, in domestic abuse 11 countries ago and passed through 10 other countries to get to us, all of which the countries you passed through speak your language fluently. <laughs> but right. you come to a country who doesn't. Because why? Because that's you're being told, that's you're being sold, and using it as a way to get in to our generous, compassionate door. All right. Let me ask you before we let you go. <clears throat> yeah. Chiefs or Ravens? Who do you who do you pick? We're your Ravens guy, right? Um, Ravens. Okay. Ravens by ten. Uh Lions, 49ers. 49ers, and I, I, I think they stomp on them too. I think both Ooh. games win by probably ten points. Ooh, easy. Chiefs, Ravens. It's going to be the Ravens, uh, 49ers. That's what the colors match out to be on the logo. I'm going completely opposite. I'm going Chiefs, Lions. Boom. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm an outlier. <laughs> Find John Jensen where you get your, he's really a great follow where you get your social media at Fix the Nation. Uh, yeah, I'm bold like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out there. That's what I'd like to see is uh, Chiefs. Even though I don't want to see the Taylor Swift parade, I think that's the way America wants it, you know? They love to, I don't know. I thought uh, Jason Kelsey stole the show last week. We we will see. John Jensen, thank you, brother. Good to talk to you. Have a great week. You too. Thanks, right, Jenna. Thanks. Mm-mm-mm. Well, uh, when we return, we'll get to your remarks. Um, I'll answer the question: Why women are walking around without pants? This winter, I didn't know it was a thing. I hadn't seen it, but I've since I read this, uh, I was informed. <clears throat> it seems to be a wildly. I mean, I, I'm not talking about nude, but literally like a blazer, a cardigan, or a, a nice shoes and panties. I'm not a, against it. Hey, if you got it, flaunt it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so people in a Tesla. Saw something very odd on the screen there. I, I saw the story. Then, I, then uh, Heather brought it in and I saw the photo. If that's an accurate photo, it's really, really, really creepy. Stick around. It's the Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Man Radio Network. Every year, Steve Faircal climbs the stairs at the John Hancock Center in Chicago, 94 floors to the top. It's called the hustle of the Hancock. It's hard to believe when you watch Steve today that a few years ago, his lungs were failing and he was fighting to survive. For eight hours a day, someone was pounding on my chest to try and keep my lungs clear. I honestly don't think I had more than a couple weeks to live. That's when Steve received the gift of life, a double lung transplant made possible by an organ donor. After I got my new lungs, I started doing things that I had never been able to do. I never knew that breathing could feel this good. Steve climbs to honor his donor and to raise awareness for organ, eye, and tissue donation. Wouldn't you like that when you left this beautiful planet, that you could save a few lives on your way out? It's an incredible gift. Imagine what you could make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Learn more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. As a combat wounded veteran, I know how hard it is to come home and build a meaningful life. I'm Latoya Lucas, and I'm a veteran. When I was in Iraq, our vehicle was hit. A rocket propelled grenade exploded right under my seat. Traumatic brain injury 
a fractured pelvis, severe burns. They didn't think I was going to make it. I had to learn to live with the scars, both visible and invisible. DAV helps veterans like LaToya get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. With DAV on my side, I was able to pursue my dreams. If my story can touch a heart, it can change a life. My victory is overcoming my wounds so I can help other veterans. LaToya Lucas, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Okay, men, time to be an all-star caregiver. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Be there emotionally and physically. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find care guides at aarp.org slash caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. If I had my time again, I would do it all the same. And I'll change a single uh, Yes. No pants is the way to go. Uh, some say Edie Sedgwick was the first girl, 1965. Uh, this is a no pants year. Ye posted a picture of his uh, wife or whatever, Bianca Sensori, in a fur top, thong, and heels. Designer Beverly Nguyen said, Listen, I hate pants. She's admittedly uh, brave and fashionable. A recent dinner party at her house, she wore a, a spin on a an outfit Kendall Jenner wore uh, uh, in L.A. in 2022. Navy sweater, black tights, black heels. Well, that's not. Yeah, black tights is not no pants. No. I mean, I'm talking really. It looks like. Here's an example. This is a random girl on the street walking. And she's got a blazer on, uh, uh, a top, and panties and nice shoes. Uh, it's all the rage, though. A lot of people have done it. Uh, Kendall Jenner, Tessa Thompson, I don't know these people. Eric Corrin, the no-pants look, Mew Mew. Middle Mew Mew, the designer, Mew Mew. Oh, really? Mew Mew did it? Yeah, Mew Mew's all about it. <coughs> Nobody asks them, what happened to your pants? It's a main, they say it's main character energy to forego pants. <laughs> Ma'am, do you know you're not wearing pants? Yeah, that's my uh, energy. I'm using on you. Uh, you know, uh, it seems the winter's a bad choice to do it. It's cold out, maybe. Uh, the pantsless look, if you're trying to consider it. Business top and uh, party on the bottom. This is just a Ferragamo jacket, $2,400. A cardigan, $1,190. Earrings, $400. Your panties are $590. Your handbag, $3,700. Your shoes, your shoes are $1,000 Ferragamos. I saw a prostitute over on OBT pulling up the same thing, but I don't think hers works Ferragamos. She probably got $28 invested in her outfit. Let's get to remarks. There's plenty of them here from the Florida Man Radio app and powered by Morganic Meats and Morris Family Farms. The app's a great place to catch up with the show, listen to old archived podcasts, and participate in the show by hitting the little microphone button at the bottom. Here we go. I ain't touching squat that Strokey Clovis drinks. Oh, hell no. (laughs) Hey, the way I look at it, uh, that guy in Kansas City better have his homeowner's insurance paid up with three dead guys in the back. Yeah. 
Now, Taddy's mother effing farting's mother effing playing. <laughs> Watch, Star Trek guy's gonna be like, see, even the rich people wouldn't pay a ransom for their own kid. <laughs> <laughs> Kidnapping insurance. Hmm. I think I'm gonna call Allstate and see if they have accidental house fire insurance. <laughs> Hi, this is Renee from Altima. I was just want to touch base on the thing about the phones for um, kids. I totally agree with that. Um, but the only thing is we need to touch base with our school. Our school is requiring the children to have phones so they can look up certain things and do certain projects, whatever they want them to do on their phone. So that is where I'm at with that. Please help me out. That might Bye. be a Don Miller thing. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. Or a, a camera thing. Camera hates phones. <laughs> Shannon, easy disappears. You get a ransom note. Says if they don't get two hundred fifty thousand dollars, your producers producing hands will be cut off. How long would it take for you to find another producer? <laughs> Damn man, I need my producing hands too. Uh, you could push with a nub, push yeah, the could, slide I thing could up. Easily do my job with a nub. <laughs> a little hook on maybe just a lot of one of them. Should be okay. I speak fluent ostrich, emu, and giraffe. <laughs> Shannon, I think a couple of my dogs could probably figure out the voting um, situation better than, I don't know, 20% of Americans. That's a good point. Just saying. You're right. I've seen that dog hit the button to get treats. So. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I start to think if, uh, if my dogs are exhibiting uh conservative behavior or uh you know liberal behavior communist socialist behavior they do all rely on me the government yeah. for their health care their food their shelter i'd probably be watching rick james though rick james is definitely <laughs> uh a liberal i think <laughs> <laughs> every time i walk by him he's on the floor he rolls over and shows me his <laughs> He's like, hey, check it out. I'm down here on the floor. <laughs> Give me money. Yeah, or a treat. Man, I know both my dogs are straight up coming. <laughs> they do not need to vote. Be-do, be-do. <laughs> the last time I was under a cannabis into a psychosis, I left the burner on the stove after lighting a stick of incense. I didn't notice it until after the stick was burned out and I wanted to light another one. <laughs> My dog is voting for Trump. Um, I, I did hear, uh, I was at a, uh, the thing uh, where our companies have all the pints and paws or whatever, mm -hmm. where you, it's a dog event and a beer event in Sanford, it's a great event. And someone, uh, some guy had his dog, his Labrador there with a Trump 2024 collar on. And this was, that's not fair. That's not, that's cruel that, that dog. He, how do they know that dog would want Trump? <laughs> uh oh, wait, here we go. Okay. I have a dog. His name is Enzo. And I'm going to see if he wants to vote for a Democrat or Republican. Enzo, bark twice. For a Democrat, bark once for a Republican. 
Oh, good boy. <laughs> but he did say the cat would vote Democrat. <laughs> yeah, cats are probably all liberal. That's funny. Uh, all cats are libertarians. You think? Oh, yeah. yeah. Of course they want to give animals a right to vote. That way they can argue that, well, why would a cow vote to be eaten? It doesn't make any sense. And that way they can justify banning the use of animals for food. Enjoy your crickets. Yeah, you would eat the bugs. Yeah, but how will the crickets vote? Yeah, do they get a vote? I mean, how far down the voting chain do fish vote? Slugs? Uh, starfish? What? You wait till the ants come in and finish the ant vote. Snails? Kids in kindergarten that aren't potty trained? Jeez, we got a guy in the White House who isn't potty trained. Uh, that's lies. That's lies. Talking about spreading stuff on the table. I want to know what Stoner puts on the table. Is it green or is it white? Hmm. Hey, Shando Farley again up here in Okaloosa Island. Uh, tr- talk about a catch-up challenge. Uh, try being a commercial roofer for 42 years. I was about 17 when I first started out, and I threw uh, my hot tar clothes in with my mom's whites in the 1970 Whirlpool washer and dryer. And then they went into the dryer and they heated up. And I'll tell you what, I had to clean both of those things out for three days with lacquer thinner. Not cool. Beat a beat a. You're definitely not. Uh, you're definitely failing the ketchup the ketchup challenge. I think. Oh my god! When you said gluten free penis, I nearly spit out my coffee. <laughs> you, you ought to make a shirt and put it on beatubeatu.com where it says this penis is gluten free. Had the gluten free written in cursive. With like a little arrow pointing down or something. Beater, beater. Uh, I apologize. I misheard you. I thought you said gluten-free penis, but you said gluten-free peanuts. Well, I guess you can still make it sure. It says these nuts are gluten-free. <laughs> yeah. Beater, beater. I was trying to remember that. I'm like, I swore I would have remembered if you yeah. said gluten-free penis. <laughs> hey, Shannon. I keep a EpiPen on me uh, just in case I get touched by a liberal. They give you anaphylactic shock. Hey guys, well, just wondering if we're going to start hearing about a lot more deaths from these weird allergies as the unexplained death rate continues to rise. Mm-hmm. Probably start hearing about a lot of unexplained deaths, don't you think? Beedoo beedoo. Um, I mean, you could if you were like an effective assassin. Like you, uh, you, 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 your, your target has a known severe allergy to whatever shellfish or peanuts or whatever. And he's, you know, on his way, wherever, walking into the public and you, you've eat a handful of peanuts or you've jammed down a, a shrimp or whatever. And you walk or a scallop and you walk by him, burp and blow in his face. Yeah, to get that close, you can just chuck a scallop at him from a distance. <laughs> the smell of seafood cooking makes this guy ill. A different breed of kennels, man. A Star Trek guy need to come work for or the people I work for, man. You get $20 plus an hour, and you get $600 plus every quarter. Hey, that's a nice little grip, man. And uh, that allergy stuff, I used to work with a guy. He, I had seafood, like some shrimp or something, and I was warming it up. And he came in the break room, and he had to run back up out of there, Ooh, so it's real. Wow. And, man, my daughter, she allergic to every nut that is, like uh, everything. Not allergic. 
They you'd have been screwed here uh, back when uh, <clears throat> when uh, old Mick, old Mick Dolan, or there would uh, warm over his the last night's scallops that he that he cooked. <laughs> God, it's like a whorehouse in here. It's horrible. Uh. Hey, Shannon. I mean, it, it's a damn shame that our country's getting run over by illegal aliens, but. I think it may be uh, getting us ready for the uh, real alien evasion. Mm. Hmm. I'm talking about all type of grass, Shando. Like, it grass. can't be fresh grass. It can't be uh. old grass. It got to be in between grass. And she can't touch, literally touch the grass. Like, oh. it's a lot, man. It's a lot. She can't even touch peanuts. Like, it's, it's, it's stressful. Like, she touched some one day and her eyes went to swelling up. Man, I went into a frenzy, and yeah, she got Damn. like five epipens, and wow. everywhere she go from house to house, she got one. Wow. I had a dog once, an English bulldog. It was all itchy scratchy on his feet. I took it to the the uh, vet. You never, if you have an English bulldog and you go to the vet, you're not walking out for under 500 bucks. I don't care no, what yeah. you're having done. It turns out they read an al- allergy panel on uh, young Mavis was her name. And maybe I said, what's she allergic to? They went, grass. I'm like, what's all I got going on is grass. The front yard is grass. The backyard is grass. They're like, well, she's allergic to it. Great. Sounds great. Hey, guys. I know it's not really show specific, but I was wondering if one time you guys could give a little more detail or the story about the legless girl that was in the uh, plastic container that lost her legs ah, with the, the shootout with the police. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just really would like to know what happened there. Thanks. Yeah, that is good. Played a little too much, I think. Breaking news. Trump accused of buying votes. Will buy the Dallas Cowboys, fire the whole team, and hire transgender men to replace them. <laughs> if he buy the team and f- fire Jerry, he might get some votes that way hey what's up shando easy heather sparky 35 too yes to the yuckster that left the open mic earlier about me being a power bottom at a camping trip up in cedar key this weekend dude i'm going with my cousin and her old man i mean we're rednecks and all but man we ain't deliverance rednecks and i ain't gonna be nobody's power bottom but i'm gonna catch some fish and eat me a tomahawk have a good oh, one, guys. Yeah. Great show. Be do be do. Tomahawk on his cabin trip. Guys, just imagine if you lived on the border of Mexico in any area. Just imagine the crap that those homeowners are going through with all this immigration and and the aliens coming across their their property and trash and looting and thievery. Just imagine what's going on with the people that live there. On the you know on the border states, yeah. it's just ridiculous, man. Bidu, Bidu. It's a lot worse. Out. You've seen the, the 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 images of the all the garbage and the you know they swim across all the clothing. I mean, tons. It literally tons of trash. Every single federal officer, CBP agent uh, that is engaging in these human trafficking and this immigration crisis should all be tried and charged and put in jail if a police chief told his officers to go rob a bank and they did it just because he told them to do it that doesn't make it right this is no different down there what these guys are doing is breaking the law and they should all be charged and tried for it 
Here, here. Thank you. Detroit is kind of a chick pick because they do have the best uniforms. Uniforms. Detroit has the best uniforms. I don't agree with that. Probably take Baltimore if I was going to pick best uniforms. Probably. I got a friend who's an LA County Sheriff about to retire. He tells me they're going to allow illegals to be LAPD and LA County Sheriffs. Yeah. That can't take their gun home, but can only have it on duty. <laughs> Sounds like a real problem. You're kidding not me. Sure if it's passing or not, but be to be to. I heard about them uh, hiring illegals to be. Uh, they have to go through the uh, academy or whatever. Yeah, but they can't legally like, own a federal, or they can't legally carry uh, own a firearm to, so they can't take them home. Yeah, they only on their job during the wow. their shift. Brilliant idea, Los Angeles. Hey, Shando, I think old Jensen smoking crack. There ain't no way either one of those teams is going to win by ten. I think both games are going to be great. Both going to be close, and I'm with you. I want to see the Lions and the Chiefs. Great show, guys. Be to you. I mean, that's the story. Really, the the you know the the whatever you want to call it, the biggest story because Elias never been there. She's got Taylor, you know. Yeah, you know Brock Purdy, Mister Irrelevant. That's true. That's a good Lamar story. Lamar Jackson, uh, he was his own agent in the off season, got himself fifty two million dollars a year. Wow, save that ten percent, huh? Hey y'all, I went to uh, high school with Brock Purdy's mom, and every time the Niners play, and especially when they win. The damn Facebook thing just blows up with all kinds of friends from high school and even a couple of teachers I still uh, keep in touch with. And they just fawn all over the Niners, no matter who their football team is and who they're like. They're a bunch of fair weather fans. And it pisses me off, especially being a Cowboys fan. Hmm. I really hope that Detroit Lions gets in the Super Bowl. It would just be mad energy for them. And, and, you know, they're playing so well, and it would just be great. I don't love Kansas City, mostly because that Taylor Swift stuff is just getting old. Um, but I, I like the team, so you're right, Shannon. That would be that would be great to see that. Just She can just stay home, though. I don't know. She's not staying home at oh, the Super Bowl. Hell no. I like this trend of a fantastically fitted top of some sort, you know, blazer even, and not like no pants, but maybe hot pants. You know, you gotta have good legs. Um, I've, I've worn that type of thing on stage before. Yeah, it, it looks really great. Hmm. Well, I mean, you're wearing tights, you're not wearing no pants. That's all there is to it. Okay, it's Panhandle Patty. You got me at the no pants. <laughs> Come on. Do we not remember E. coli? I mean, <laughs> come on, people. Like Don Miller says, what are we doing? We got to wake up. Love you. Thank you, Patty. Yeah, I seen that no pants trend, but it was at Walmart, and it was terrible to look at, brother. Um, well, like any other fashion uh, it trickles down. trend, it'll be, it'll, be, it'll be abused by people that should not be you know, engaging in it. Oh, Shannon, I'm so disappointed. Now that I know, I just realized all of my dogs are Democrats. Ah. Yeah. My cat is definitely a terrorist. What? His cat, cat is a terrorist. Is a terrorist. 
Star Trek guy. I tell you what you do with Star Trek guy. You slice his uh, common sense tendon. He'll never follow through after that. <laughs> All right. So apparently the voice of treason didn't get the memo that we're ooey gooey melted enough here in the United States. We have the right to populate from within. And hell, we should be. We don't need any more outside influence to dilute our culture and our heritage any more than it already has. I mean, that is what makes us who we are. I, I think he's part of the problem. He's almost beyond arrogant at this point. Beat a beat him. Mm. You know, roaches will vote Democrat because every time they say there's going to be an Armageddon, the only thing that'll be left is roaches. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, people seem to be pretty stoked about Trump, but in reality, if you look at the midterms and other smaller elections, the people that he endorsed didn't do very well. There was no red wave, and the Democrats already had a lot of the same issues that they have now. So what's going to change in 2024? We will be being invaded from the border. Animals to vote? Well, that's a threat to our democracy. <laughs> I didn't realize Sparta 352 was a power bottom. Hmm. I think he, he, he rebuked that 100%. He is a redneck, but not a power bottom. And he likes to fish and eat steaks. <sighs> Sparky loves to go camping. <laughs> it wasn't the poison ivy that made a match that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jensen. People coming to a border crossing and asking for asylum are asylum seekers. People entering at any other point across the border are invaders. It's pretty simple. I think that, you know, maybe some guys are going to the border. They don't know. They're following the, the crowd of people across the bridge into a known uh, entry point, And they're seeing up ahead that the guy's talking to the border. And then they go, okay, go ahead. And, and these go, oh, whatever he said. That's what I got to. Asylum? Yeah. I don't even know what I mean. Everything's bad. Taylor probably told Travis if he wins the Super Bowl, he'll get it for the first time. I think they're probably already, you oh, know. They, yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. I bet she's a stone-cold freak, too. Breaking news. Texas places razor wire around the Alamo for final stand against Joe Biden. Story at 11. <laughs> uh. Hopefully, liberal Larry's balls drop in 2024. That'd be one hell of a change, wouldn't it, guys? <laughs> beat a beat those are the remarks for today's program from the Florida Man radio app and powered by Morris Family Farms and Morganic Meats. Peter put out a uh, <clears throat> propaganda piece today. Uh, the retired UGA, <clears throat> the Georgia mascot, U University of Georgia's mascot, the one that's retired, not the current one. Yeah, he, he retired in 2022. He died apparently this morning. And they, they put up a picture of him. I don't know if it's him or whatever. They say, rest in peace, Uga. He struggled to breathe every day of his entire life. The University of Georgia promotes chronically suffering, breathing, impaired breeds and the cruel dog breeding industry by using an English bulldog as its symbol. 
The school has subjected 11 dogs to the stress and danger of being used as its mascot. It must stop dooming dogs to live like this. Let me tell you, this the Ugga, whatever the Ugga is of that year, has got a fantastic life. Better than any other English Bulldog. They, yes. You know, I'm not a Georgia fan, but they treat Ugga super well. It's not a, any any issue with that. If it's hot, the little doghouse he sits in is air conditioning. He sits on a bag of ice. I'm sure he. I mean, you look at him. Uh, he's a. They they get per. Those bulldogs they get probably cost eight ten grand because they are perfect in the bulldog breed. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not, not into breeding. You know, keep on breeding and breeding, but I do appreciate a breed. Uh, and that they've always had the perfect one. He's in a in an air conditioned little doghouse during the games. He's sitting on an ice bag. He's fed, you know yeah. wherever he li- who I don't know who who he lives with the caretaker or whatever. But you know he's got a sleeps on a bed. Eats you know the best f- meat as food yep. and 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 go uh, sees the vet. Uh, you know probably every month. Must be nice. All right, we'll get to our last break. We'll come back and wrap it all up for you. Hang on, it's the Shannon Burke Show on the Florida Man Radio Network. I'll be honest. The first few months were tough. When I left the military, I was excited for a fresh start, but civilian life has been harder than I thought it would be. Figuring out a new career while also being a good mom, wife, and friend. Some days I'm barely keeping my head above water. And with the transition and everything I'm juggling, I'm spread too thin. I finally realized that it's hurting my mental health. To get back to enjoying life again, I needed to get help. Opening up to someone was a big step for me. I I saw that I'm not alone and that there are tools to help me overcome what I'm going through. With support, I feel like I'm heading in the right direction. Discover how other women veterans like me have learned to thrive after military service by taking care of themselves and their mental health. Visit maketheconnection.net slash women veterans. As a veteran, you get a lot of advice. But wisdom's harder to come by. A lot of people imagine themselves in our shoes without understanding the weight on our shoulders. The truth is, few can understand the pressure of finding your own way after serving in the military. But few isn't none. You've got support. You can't control the chaos, but you can chart your way through it. Steady yourself. MakeTheConnection.net Okay, men. Time to be an all-star caregiver. Drive them to physical therapy. Doctor's appointments. Be there emotionally and physically. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find care guides at aarp.org slash caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Tesla screen has a lot of stuff on it. Uh, I've been in a few, and you, it'll show you if a guy's crossing the street, you know, you had a light, whatever. Well, one dude uh, was, he's a Tesla employee, he's in the car. Uh, he's got uh, his fiance and brother 
And in the video, the trio can be heard screaming in fear as on the screen it shows the car moving forward. And then it begins to show human figures off to the right of the car. Uh, several, one, two, three, four, five, like seven little groups of them, and they're driving through a graveyard. No one's there. The guy says, I'm in a Tesla employee. I can confirm this is not one of Elon's Easter eggs. You know, he puts a little, mm-hmm. uh, it's not just picking up the gravestones, as even if it, if it was, they would show as a stationary object on the screen. Um, the uh, They typically put information about nearby objects, pedestrians included. Um, but they have a, a bunch of sensors and cameras and radar and ultrasonic stuff that help detect and identify objects uh, who knows? Maybe they can really detect. Again, it sucks if you have an afterlife where you have to stand by your grave. Yeah, I would. What do you... Well, maybe you're... Yeah. Shouldn't you be... Are you stuck in purgatory if you're hanging out in the graveyard? Do you just like... Eh, they put me in a cheap grave. <laughs> uh, yeah, when you, uh, when you scare kids away from toppling over your gravestone yeah. or uh, damaging it. Oh, yeah. Another emo kid, dude. Goth kid comes sitting in there eating, reading Edgar Allan Poe by my grave. That's it for us today. Thank you, Easy. Thank you. Thank you, Heather. Thank you. Thank you, the audience, for uh, tuning in and participating. Uh, we're back tomorrow, uh, as usual, 3 Eastern, 2 Central. My good friend Bubba the Love Sponge gets the network started in the morning, which is with his trademark uh, violent humor. Don Miller, funniest guy on the radio after that. We'll see you tomorrow on the Florida Man Radio Network. I'm Shannon Burke. Have a good night.